Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. All right, what is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and this is one that I am frothing on. Uh, This is a might seem random to people but this is like actually one of my bucket list podcasts when i started this thing uh jason wygant is a guy that has been extremely extremely cool to me for the entire time that i've known him uh i remember us meeting maybe in like hangtown 2011 uh, and he made a joke that i was the most australian sounding person that he's ever met and that in hangtown 2012 he wanted to see if i still had uh, the Aussie accent. Uh, we ended up hanging out a bunch over that summer and then kind of the rest of my time in the US. Um, and I remember going back to him at Hangtown in uh, 2012 and he said, dude, I think your accent's actually stronger now. So um, yeah, it was just always like a guy that was insanely cool to me uh, and just a really, really nice and genuine guy. And I knew that he had this crazy origin story of how he kind of got into motocross and got into the commentary world, uh, but I'd never really fully knew it. He's not a guy that talks about himself a lot. Uh, so I really wanted to just kind of like dive into his story and, and understand how he got into motocross and how he became essentially the voice of motocross for our generation Uh, this podcast was done at marvel stadium on the friday before uh, the race Uh, just a massive thanks to weege for making the time that he did everybody's schedules were crazy that weekend Um, and also thanks to gus and the boys at ame for helping get it sorted i just got to give some sponsor shout outs as per usual uh this is the first official i guess ad read for the guys at cricks tweed uh you may have seen on instagram i posted a new truck that is part of a partnership with these guys uh kyle from cricks came to me and said that he was really interested in getting uh involved in the motocross community in australia he's a hardcore moto fan uh, and rider and he just wanted to get involved um and I, I was blown away that they wanted to get involved uh, through the podcast. And it's something that I really appreciate and uh, definitely don't take their support for granted. So we're going to work on a bunch of cool stuff this year uh, and trying to yeah just help out 
where we can uh, in terms of, of getting these guys more involved in Moto. Uh, they are Mitsubishi dealers. Obviously, the Mitsubishi Triton is uh, the truck that we've got, and I basically plan on turning that into the ultimate uh, Moto road trip uh, truck, and I'll be taking that to all of the Transmotos next year and the Day in the Dirt, or just all the events that I uh, love doing. So massive thank you to those guys. If you're interested at all in getting yourself a new Triton, um, you can go to crickstweed.com.au, give them a call, ask for Kyle, uh, and they're also going to be doing a pretty sick promotion um, that we are going to be involved with and helping them out with. So excited to announce that when it comes off. Uh, also got to give a shout out to the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to www.rivalincdesigncode.com uh, and use the promo code Gypsy Tales or Gypsy Gang to get 15% off at checkout. These dudes are hands down the best in the business when it comes to moto graphics. Uh, they do canvas uh, motocross gear. We can custom make your own gear. They do jersey prints. They do everything. Uh, also got to give a shout out to another company that does everything when it comes to their respected uh, field and that is the guys at MX Store. They basically have the largest range of parts and accessories uh, for aftermarket products in Australia uh, and they will ship to your door very, very quickly. Uh, if you live in the Gold Coast or uh, Brisbane area, you can also head to their brand new showroom, which is uh, state of the art, uh, and that is here in Burley. So once again, mxstore.com.au. And also, just a quick shout out to the legends at Nobbies. Uh, they've just released their Christmas gift pack, which is a real treat. Uh, and their underwear is also a real treat. If you sign up for just $20 a month, you get that little little treat new pair of undies every single month uh that's it for the sponsors thank you very much to everybody for listening and thank you to jason wygant i thoroughly enjoyed this podcast and i uh, wish it was longer but we'll make it happen again at some point soon no 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 no, you're good yeah keep going people want to hear carmichael talking about his own career oh but i think he's afraid to do too much of it because he doesn't want fans to be like all that dude wants to do is talk about his day yeah but this isn't for television. This isn't being the Supercross announcer. You just want it because that's what the fans on your show want. That's what I would love to get. Well, that and the thing is, like, and I think that's the cool thing about podcasting in general is, like, I'm curious. And, like, yes. this is a selfish endeavor. Like, when people say, like... That's a good point. Like, it, it is. Yeah. And it's, like... and These are the questions you want to ask. For sure. Like, yeah. I said to them, like, bar to bar 2003. I watched that right. thing three hours a day for probably yeah. nine years like and it's that's not an exaggeration <laughs> right. you know right and it's the same as like with troy adamitis for great outdoors and then like even for west with verb dude like mm-hmm. i just i just watch that shit like and there's so many people out there that like that so it's like i just genuinely want to know yeah we're not asking you what you think of tomac coming into this season no. i'm not care i don't care about that I want to ask you about 2003. Yeah. Right. And like that battle between like him and, and Char, uh, yeah. like him, it's like, and to hear them talk about like, yes, dude, that's the gold who, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about you, bro. Yep. Exactly. I don't, don't worry about what people say. Um, so yeah. do you want to maybe just move that mic? So that way, like you stay where you are, but yeah, just move that. So it's like that. Yeah. Okay. More in front of you. Yeah. I'll just make sure that angle's still good. Oh geez. I gotta make you look You good, care bro. way too much, man. Yeah, but this is how it rolls, man. All right, that's what makes the show what it is. This is where the, this is where the chatter gets made. Okay. So this, is the, this is the guac. This is the guac zone. Oh, they make it right on, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, right out, Jason Wygant. Yeah. We're doing it, bro. Uh, I didn't think it would happen, to be honest. First of all, uh, you're three quarters of the way around the world away from where I live. So the chances of us doing this in person, 
slim the nun and here we are make it happen mm-hmm. one of my favorite guys i think well, you, i appreciate I think, that i think you've got a you're you're a super genuine dude and you're a, you've got a story that hasn't really been told i don't think and, not much and i don't even and I, I i know because i've been around you a lot and i don't know it so hey i always say look man fans don't buy tickets to the announcers they want to hear about the superstar riders. They're our heroes. So I try not to talk about myself in a serious sense very often. Well, yeah. I mean, and in your job, like it doesn't pay. To, like it doesn't help. Like I, it doesn't help the broadcast to know how you nope. got to be there. Nope. But as a per, like, and this is again, selfish endeavor of this podcast. Like this is a selfish thing. I do want to know about you because you're a guy I've been around for a long time yep. and a guy that's always been extremely cool to be around. And I know, like, you just hear these different things of, like, dude, Weed used to be here, and he was, like, a flagger at this race, and he was doing that. And it's, like, you're the fucking top dude in the, like... Appreciate you, that, you yeah. are You and Ralph Shaheen are, like, the voices of our modern generation of motocross. Yeah, but here's the difference from your perspective and mine, and I guarantee you Ralph would say the same thing. Just like when you have Chad Reed on this show and he says, as an athlete, you never arrive, there's never a moment where you say, I finally did it. You yeah. always want more, more, more. I know that if you tell 12-year-old me I'm doing this, I would say my life is complete. Yeah. I cannot believe I'm doing what I'm doing. But when you're actually here, you always want to accomplish more, cover more, get more scoops, get more angles, have a better race. Uh, so it's funny. You might look at it like I'm at the top and I'm like, I'm still grinding. I still yeah. want more. So but, yeah. it's hard for me to see it that way. Well, I think anybody, though, that is in a position that you're in, you only get there because that is the mentality. Like, I changed this camera angle three times before you did this. Like... Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Just shoot it. Yeah. And everyone that I think has success in some way in their chosen field has like a certain thing that doesn't really make sense to that many other people. But in my head, like, I'm like, this is super necessary. Like, if I don't change that angle, like, it will freak me out the entire time. Yeah, uh, I've talked to riders about this, and they don't, I think they just do what they do, and they don't maybe even realize why. But I've said this to many riders. I remember I said this to Trey Kennard many times. I'm like, at your level, you have the peril of ambition. Having ambition and having a work ethic and wanting something bad is great. Yeah. And that's something everyone should have, but not everybody has that drive. Yeah. But there is a downside to it which is never being satisfied and having a really tough time ever being truly happy. Because if you're as ambitious as you are, or the riders are, or I am, there aren't many nights where you get to sit down and say, I did it. Yeah. I killed it. Yeah. Because you always want more. So that's kind of a, it's great to have that ambition, but it does bring a little side effect. Well, I think I call that the way to potential. Because like everybody that's great has their own, in their own mind, what they are potentially capable of yeah and with that comes a whole lot of bullshit that you've got to like wade through whether it's like outs internal or external like yes. there's bullshit on on all fronts and i mean even you like when you first and started announcing motocross races oh, yeah. there would have been this thing where you're like i could i could do the nationals like i could be that guy yeah and it's like so that is this potential whether that's internal sometimes people make it to the top of whatever they do without even other people thinking they have that potential but on some level you've got to have it from the inside and it's a burden because it's easier to do nothing yeah it is and i just look at it like 
when I bum myself out sometimes because I'm like being too ambitious, I'm like the alternative of having no ambition at all would be way worse. So yeah. live with the consequences of this. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you get into and like what was your yeah. road? Because I've always been super interested in it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you asked because um, I always make this joke that this sport is so insular and so insider and so core, like there aren't casual fans. You're either super into it or you've never heard of it. Yeah. That everyone takes, all fans take ownership of this sport. So a lot of people always are like, who is this guy in our sport? Or who's this guy in my sport? Yeah. So I think, I don't get mad at a lot of things, but I do get angry when people think I'm some outsider that like learned the sport or discovered the sport. Uh, That does happen in a way though. In sometimes in like TV broadcasts, right? Like in yeah. that world, like sometimes you get a dude where he'll do like monster trucks, he'll do yeah. like whatever. Right. But you yeah. like, you are one dude that it was like core moto and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. From day one. So like, Hey, my first word was car, not mom and dad. Like I've always liked vehicles. I always like yeah. racing and you know, cars, the first vehicle form you can identify. Uh, and then my parents knew that I was really into it. So, you know, I got a, whatever, a power wheels, electric Jeep to drive. And I was like two. Uh, now, my parents made a terrible decision when I was five. They bought me a quad, not a dirt bike. Now, I didn't know... Hashtag nuke the quads. Uh, nuke the quads. Sorry, guys. But uh, what I didn't know is my parents were setting me up to try to be safe. And they thought if we get him really shitty slow quads, he'll never race. And then he won't get hurt. So that was their way of like giving me the fix that they knew I wanted, but keeping me on what they thought was the safe side. Uh, the idea of ever racing motocross or literally, according to my parents, being capable of riding a dirt bike, that wasn't like... That wasn't possible ever. I would never be good enough to even pilot, operate, ride a dirt bike. But I loved it, and they understood that. And How then, shit were you as a baby? No, no, no. This them, was for, for them to think. No, that. no, no. Like, you're thinking you this is like, based on facts, bro. This is not based on facts. <laughs> this is just my mom and dad saying, "Dirt bikes are effing insane. Yeah, you will never do this. It will never work." So. They gave me my fix the best they could. They gave me a quad. There was no way I was ever going to race ever. It was never going to be allowed. Um, but my in, look, everybody likes to say they're a self-made person. Everybody likes to pat themselves on the back. But there's almost always some fortunate circumstance that helps. Yeah. And for me, it was my dad worked for Bellray Oils. Now, you're going to think, oh, so he got all kinds of hookups. Nope. It only, he had nothing to do with racing. The one thing it did was they had piles of magazines that they would throw out at the end of every month. So he's like, oh, I got a five-year-old son who seems to like dirt bikes and quads and anything. I'll bring these home. Yeah. I was five years old. I couldn't read, but I would look through them and then my dad would read them to me. So I had every motocross magazine at my disposal for free my entire kid life. So by age seven or eight, I was reading cycle news every week. Like yeah. there's a lot of seven-year-olds are like fairly proficient readers. I was reading cycle news cover to cover at age seven. So I didn't discover the sport. Like as young as you could be, this was what I wanted to be. This is where I wanted, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, there wasn't much racing on TV. So I, like you're saying, you watched a bar to bar DVD over and over. The few races that were on TV, you'd tape them and you'd watch that tape over and over and over. So I get it totally honest. I didn't discover it. This is always what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, did you end up racing like when you sort of got old enough to like... Yeah, so like it wasn't happening with my parents at all. Uh, so I, I never thought I'd have a job in the industry. That was impossible, right? Yeah. So I just figured, okay, once I eventually graduate college and have a job, I will spend my money on buying a dirt bike 
and then someday I just I'm like I just want to do it once. I just want to go over a starting gate. That's my life. So you're dream. like a crazy hardcore fan. That's like all I can do. Everything about the sport before you'd ever even like cross the yes, starting gate. Yes. How weird is we used to go to the local races. My parents would take me to our local track, English Town in New Jersey, and I would just sit in the damn grandstands and watch the local races. And I remember my dad introduced me to like Mickey Kessler was New Jersey's top guy, and he's like, I'll take you over there and meet him. Yeah. And I thought this was a big deal, dude. He's like pitting out of a box van pickup truck, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. And he introduces me to him, and I could tell he's looking at me like, why does this kid not have gear on? Like, why is there an eight-year-old just hanging out? The dad doesn't have gear. They don't have a bike. Like, why are they here? Like, I thought that was normal. You go to the races to watch. Nope. Going to local races, watching every race on TV, reading every magazine, never owned a dirt bike. Rinky-dink, shitty quads. I'm talking the rules where we couldn't have two strokes or anything with a clutch because that would be too dangerous. Wow. What did your parents do? Uh, so my dad worked at Bell Ray, but it was, again, nothing to do with racing. He was like inventory, like we need this many barrels of solvent to make the stuff we need this month. Nothing to do with racing. And my mom was a nurse. Maybe that makes her predisposed to danger. Dude, that's, yeah, there you go. But honestly, when we'd go to the races and you'd see some 12 year old walking around with a cast on his wrist, my dad would be like, yeah, that's the worst thing ever. Look at that. That poor kid is a broken arm. And now I look back. Has your dad ever broken his arm? No, we were not allowed to get hurt. But what about your dad? No, never. No, never injuries ever. Dude, one time I barred a kid. That's crazy. Yeah, no. The the level of, there's two things that really worked against me. A, my dad is the least risk-taking human being on earth. Yeah. No risk ever. A. B, you know, most dads are like, especially in this sport, they they think their kids are maybe even better than they are and they push them super hard. Your dad is the exact opposite. Yeah. My dad pretty much said, you'll suck at anything you try. So the chances of getting hurt, very good. And the chances of you being good, very slim. So stay out of it. Uh, and one of my dad's favorite things was when I remember when Ricky Carmichael came to our local track once a year for the Kawasaki Race of Champions. And on 85, he was like 13. He was doing knack-knacks and winning by like a minute. And then he took his helmet off and he had red hair. And my dad's like, you see that? Redheads, crazy temper. That's what it takes. Wow. You've got to be a wild, reckless temper redhead. That's not you. You don't have that. So... Yeah, the idea of, I know it's bizarre. I thought it was normal. I didn't realize that basically you're not a fan if you don't ride. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you're supposed to ride. Yeah, dude, it's great. And it like, yeah. it makes so much sense with like how risk averse your parents were. Like 100%. To, to grow up in that type of like, like, that's a bubble that they put you in. Well, the worst thing for me is, and I can't even, I can't even imagine this is what it was. So because I didn't race, I didn't have friends that rode. Like, so I'm reading, like, I'm seven years old race, reading Cycle You're News. You're obsessed with this and you just know nobody. I have nobody. not a single person in my life that I ever talked to about racing. I went to school. There's no one there that knows anything about, like, my whole life, all I wanted to do was one day have a conversation with someone about motocross. Get fucked. Yeah. So once the floodgates finally opened, like, I found those people, I haven't. I haven't effing shut up about it since. You can I've been waiting my whole life. Show too. Just, well, you, you to. I, uh, for your show, I can. Uh, yeah. Somebody's going to send a clip to NBC and be like, your guy oh, just dropped Would the you F get word. in trouble for that? Do you think? Uh, not from the people you think I would. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Really? That's the weird thing. Yeah, the, the weird thing who is. Who would the, be the ones The that people who don't employ you will use that as evidence of why they shouldn't. You like that? Uh, okay. Yeah. On, yeah. That, on that conspiracy shit. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. I get it. Don't give them a reason to not hire you. Especially yeah. when you've worked so hard to get there, right? Sometimes, look, things get in the way and they need to get, they need to have an excuse. So I, I've heard them all. Yeah. So I'm keeping my nose clean. So yeah, uh, what, my goal when I was an adult was to get a dirt bike. And I, at that point, I happened to already have gotten a job at Racer X, which I didn't think would happen. So there it was. 
we go to High Point Raceway, which is our local track yeah. at, at Racer X. It's 20 minutes up the road. And Davey's like, you want to go riding with us? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he had a YZ250. And at this point, Davey's still super fast. Like he's really? doing the helmet cam on TV. He's going out and practice at the Nationals. So this bike, he's got a full like FMF. Like this is this is a YZ250. This is like as good as bikes are yeah, in, I think it was a 2000 YZ250. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go riding. And he's like, so... So this is the first time you rode? Yeah, it was in the gravel parking lot of High Point where the trucks, uh, in the pits, where the trucks park. And I'm like, yeah, I've never ridden before. I've only ridden quads. Like, I've never ridden a two-wheeled motorcycle. So Davey's like holding up the back fender like your dad would do. Yeah, right. And I'm riding a beast. This is not an entry-level motorcycle. So I did some figure eights in the parking lot. I was okay. And then like a few weeks later, I went riding with the guys from the office again. And then of course I looped out, you know. Um, But I will say it came much more quickly Look, I'm not awesome, so I don't want to brag too much. But I will say, all the other office dudes who were like, hey, let me try this. Dude, they all rode for like a year or two and just gave up and got frustrated. Like, now I'm good enough where I can go to, there's an industry ride day. I can go and ride. Yeah. And I'm like, most people I know that tried to start in their 20s, tried for a few years, sucked, and then they'll never touch a dirt bike again. So I'm pretty proud of how well I can ride, considering I didn't ride until I was 20 effing three years old. Yeah, right. Yeah. What I did ride the, quads. I don't know if that helped. Did that yeah, help me? Maybe. I'm I don't know. Sure. Probably not. But it, it's like, what, did you race? Have you ever done a race? Yeah. So immediately, this is the weird thing. The world has changed so much in a short time. I'm talking like 2003, 2004. Back then, everybody raced but didn't ride. So yes. we would, if you had a dirt bike, you had to go to the race on the weekend. It's yeah. the only time you get on a track. Yeah. Yeah. So like the fourth time I ever rode an effing dirt bike, I raced at High Point and then I raced at Steel City. And we had the D class, which is you're not even allowed to do doubles. Really? Yeah. So there's ABC in the United States. What do you guys call them? Juniors? Uh, intermediates? What do you call them? Yeah, we sort of say like A and B. Like we only really okay. have like A and B. Or so like pro support, really. So there's like a... So there's like some a tracks, you shouldn't be here. Some track. tracks have yeah. like a, hey, you've never ridden before. What's you that? Can, Brandon's yeah. first race? It is That's like D that. class. That's yeah, okay. D class. They're okay. like, you're not allowed to do the doubles. So it'd be me wow. and like six other guys. Three of them are probably my buddies. And uh, yeah, so I did... For about three years, probably raced most weekends when I wasn't, I wasn't quite full-time like having to go to every Supercross yet. Yeah. And it was kind of my job to go to the local races our company put on at High Point Steel City and cover them. Yeah. So I was racing. So it's about three years of that. Uh, Broke my wrist and navicular immediately, you know, so I think I rode three or four times and then was gone for three months with the cast. God damn. Broke both ankles once. The old Bradshaw Boulevard at High Point. I, I realized you can't just jump. You have to memorize like you, you can't just, know, yeah. yeah, you yeah. can't just jump. You yeah. have to know like, this is the double, this is the table, this is the double. Yeah. You can't just leap. Yeah. So I think what I thought was a table, like just jump as far as you want. It was a double, broke both ankles. My dad was actually there that day, which he proved, was like, See? oh yeah, proved himself right. I was on crutches for a while. And then I, um, I was on crutches still with two broken ankles at the end of 2004. And the Supercross folks call the office, they call Davey and they're like, hey, our Supercross live webcast um, our announcer is taking a new job and he's going to be able to do these two races in Canada, but then by Anaheim, he's out. Davey, you know everybody. Is there a guy that can help? And he's like, I got this dude who helps at our local races and announces GNCC, the Woods races. He'd be your guy. So I'm still on crutches. I have to go to the Vancouver, Looking Canada. like a full racer too. Like, look, look at this Yeah, dude. I'm pretty yeah, legit. Yeah, yeah, I am pretty legit. I'm legit at that point. So I get a t- plane ticket and I go to the Vancouver, Canada, Supercross. Carmichael's really the only big name racing in that one. And they kind of gave me a tryout and I was in and I said, I'm like, dude, now I'm going to every Supercross. 
I can't be on crutches anymore. I need to give up trying to jump doubles. I'll ride in the woods. I'll ride some trails, but I can't go to the crutches on air, uh, airport on crutches. Yeah, yeah. So my entire motocross career was about two and a half years. Was that good? Yeah. Like, was the feeling? Because like, what you're describing is basically the 40 year old virgin of yeah, like, yeah, like, rip, yeah. Know? And it's like yeah. you almost like put the pussy on a pedestal. Yeah. And then it's like the first time. Was it like? Was it a bit like that? Where the first time you're like fuck, like, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and I kind of suck. It, it, yeah, it, it went like, I realized, look, you can't make up for hours. So I really was convincing myself, I'm like, what if I find out that I've got some, like, really crazy talent? talent. Oh, crazy talent. Dude, you are not going to, the third time you race a bike, go on a motocross track, like a legit high point still city track and do good. Yeah. No one, no, no one on earth. Like, I don't care. Take your most talented surfer ever. Yeah, I was going to say, moto is just like one of those sports where it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's just not happening. No, not the third time like you Like a rode. go-kart, you can like go and do go-kart. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. But what I do distinctly remember, and this is what's awesome about dirt bikes, regardless of what level you get to, if you're in a race and you're racing guys similar level, like the I still- The feeling's the same. Dude, those D-class battles, I remember them being the most epic- <laughs> effing like moments of my life like last lap I'm in second and I'm like if I can do it if I can pass this guy and it's I don't think the feeling is much nah, different that's beautiful no, dude like no. that's, that's legitimately yeah. a, like a beautiful thought I do wish unfortunately like I've gotten in these 17 years since I've gotten way better I would like to go back to those tracks and race a little now like yeah. I didn't know how to ride through a damn rut without yeah. taking both feet off the pegs like now I can do that so I would like to see what it's like now but I don't want to end up on crutches, mate. Yeah. And it's gonna it's not a question of if. it's when. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. crazy. Like I, I rode pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. And now I did I stayed at Townley's, which you didn't show up at. You blew it. Why didn't you show up to that actually? Uh you could just say I'm a pussy, or you could say I'm married and my wife said no, which equally makes me a pussy, right? I was gonna say, so you're a pussy on both ends of that. Yeah, either way. Either way. Dude, you should have made that happen. No, I know. It was like bucket list shit. Yeah, I'm sure like riding in New Zealand. With was, Ben Townley, yeah, goddamn right. Dude, we, it is. we did this one thing where like Ben's like the it was a cool the first uh, the second day was like this six sand track, and uh, he's like, dude, so you go in you go outside then inside like let's just do like yeah, a yeah, yeah. so there was like these four turns where me and Ben and we both stood up pretty much the whole time yeah and it was like oh, no, no. and he was like coming under me and then I went back around it and like then we both pulled up. And uh, to where we sort of like met and we were both like just genuinely just like laughing and like we was like, dude, how good was that? It was just it was such a cool thing. But I think yeah. the point being at like 31, I've rode my whole life. I'm riding the best I ever have. And I don't know whether it's like I don't know whether it's just the lens that you look at it through. You could be. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yes. cause it's like stopwatch. Who knows? Yes. But it's like I have so much fun now. And it's, a, it's that, like, ride, not race mentality. Like, I don't fucking race now, you know. I'll do, like, these enduro races where we have four of us on a team and we do it for eight hours. <laughs> right. You know, but it's, like, everything is just fun now. And it and I just feel like I'm riding the best I ever have. So, it's, like, it's, it's cool that even, you know, at our age, you can, like, you can keep enjoying it and still feel like you're getting better. Yeah, I don't know when that, I, I'm 40 now, so I don't know when that happens where I'm officially like, yeah, I'm finally getting more hours in, but now I'm getting too old. Mm. I'm definitely, each year I'm better than I was the year before, but eventually that's going to fade. But you do find that, I don't know if it matters how good you are. Yeah. If you're in the right environment, I'm sure Ben Townley, no offense, can probably go faster than you on that soundtrack. 100%. But he dice with you, and there's nothing that can match that feeling. And that's no different than if Anderson yeah. and and Reardon battle out yeah. 
tomorrow night at the stadium. Yeah, and Same. It, it's just like that pure like genuine fun that that you yeah. y- that you can have. And like yep. I know it fits into like this whole bigger thing of like even with the podcast in general like I'm learning so much through doing this because it's like Brayton's a perfect example like I've walked past that dude for eight years in America and I didn't really care to like try and get to know Justin Brayton it wasn't there's literally like nothing against it there wasn't it's just the paths didn't cross and there wasn't like a personality thing where you you click but it's like then you sit down and you do this and it's like i talk to that dude a lot now and about like really legitimate shit that's in my life because he's that that guy but Mm -hmm. it's like something about what's happening now with this with me personally and i think in the industry in general is it's like i feel like the cool guy things going out the window a little bit more these days the the secular sort of nature of the racing's kind of going out the window and it's now, not. It's not kind of. It's you, completely, you utterly it's, destroyed compared to what it used to be. So, it, and it's yeah. and it's amazing. And then yeah. I think you add in that, like nowadays, like Josh Hill just went up to Wagga Wagga, like three hours away to ride with Harry Bink and and Jackson Stroll. Like mm-hmm. every, it's like the times are changing now, and it's like that whole everything being fun and like let's be friends with everybody and let's like yeah. have these like really cool positive conversations. It just it seems like shit's changing now for the better like on that front I don't know why it is but I'm, I'm really enjoying it well there's a couple uh, reasons I think because uh, I've discussed this a lot um, it's really easy when you're on the TV crew as I am for a lot of the year and by the way the majority of the TV crew for outdoors what I do is the same crew that does Supercross so uh, you get the same yeah they change oh, NBC well, NBC? even when it wasn't, even when one was on Fox, Fox and one was on NBC yeah, in the yeah. U.S., our producer and director, Chris Bondo, Jeff Manhart, they're the same two guys. Almost, I'd say 90% of the crew is the same. Yeah. So it's very easy when you're on that same train every weekend to start, and I talked about this a lot today, it's very easy to start becoming jaded, yeah. to forget, like, we're very lucky, we all have the dream job. Uh, so a couple years ago, somebody's making fun of some rider for not doing an interview or doing a crappy interview, not coming through for TV or something. Everyone's like, hey, man, you've been around a while. Like, do you think the riders are getting better or worse? Now, this is truly a bitch session. So, for sure, the expectation is for me to say it's getting worse and yeah, then we continue jump to bitch. In and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I stopped right there and I said, you know what? No, it's getting better. It's yeah. getting better. I know we each have our story from probably just last week, one rider that boned us on an interview, but it is getting way better. And no offense, but like Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael, who are two of the best people to interview now, dude, they were terrible the worst back in, the day. in their day. Duns Ryan, was that for me like, yeah, with yeah. what I had to do. It was right. like pulling teeth. You get Dunge on your pod now. Oh, I've had him on. It was fucking Freaking, incredible. Yeah, it was right. incredible. Ryan Villapoto is everybody's favorite person now. Yep. Yep. Was not good eight years ago. Um, so, okay, I think we officially know it's changed. Why has it gotten better? I honestly think one of the reasons it was getting so bad for a while was there was too much money at one point. Mm. The honorages, because when, when you're making like $10 million a year, you can get a much larger honorage. And we got to the point where those dudes were flying private planes. Yeah. They were only surrounded by their people. They didn't have to interact. They had their own orbit, their own island of people around them blowing smoke up their ass the whole time. Yeah. And everyone else on that island was against us. Yeah. Those aren't our people. We're our like people. Like full tribe mentality. Yeah. It, it 100% was. And you could see it. Like there was Chad's people. There were James's people. There was Ricky's people. And the three riders themselves were probably the most reasonable. Well, that's what sort of what they right? said today. Like they were literally saying that. They're yeah. like, man, like I never really had a problem. It was more like our people had a problem with each other. Oh, yeah. But I think that you see that like 
I see that in business even like when I'll do film projects for a big company and it's like then you get like 25 people on the fucking email and I'm like <laughs> I've literally never spoken to any of these people I've had no yeah. nothing to do with them and they're telling me what I should change in my video and it's like they don't know what I should change in my video because mm-hmm. they hired me because I know what I should put in my video but there's this thing that happens because essentially that's like that email is an entourage of like that business and then yeah. it's like that person is like I kind of like my $120,000 paycheck. I kind of like working here. And it's like, I need to do something because if I don't say something on this email right now, then I'm going to be deemed as not really doing anything. And I think that that's what happened a lot in like the man friend era, like the heavy entourage era. And they would be like, oh no, but he said this man, like I, I really like, I had to like fully defuse the situation yes. before. And then it's like, fuck, there was a situation. And it's like, you could see that stuff like getting, and I mean, I've even been in that shit. And I'm like, this is where you're all getting played because these people are just, they're trying to justify this paycheck. 100%. And I've saw, I saw that where like, yeah, what's the, okay, if you're trying to justify the guy paying you to be in the entourage, the first thing you do is you kiss his ass. So you tell him how he's better than everybody else, A. And then B, if you could maybe be a spy and give him some, dirt yeah. on the guy you're supposed to hate. Oh man, you're so valuable Superstar. now. Yes. So uh, in late 2000s when the economy tanked and the industry has come back, it's better, but it's still not where it was. And when there were 2005, there was so much money in comparison. We don't have the honorages that we used to have. Yeah. And I think that has made a huge difference. And then maybe advent of social media and YouTube, people have realized they can make money by showing their personality yeah. and being cool. Which that's super yeah. new though. Yes. Like that's really, really new. Yeah, like we've that's only a 2019 deal. Yes. Which like yep. we had Ando and Tom on here before and mm-hmm. it's like I think that they are changing the sport in such a positive way. Like oh, yeah. I think that looking back, like Jason Anderson's a supercross champion and he won he won a championship. I think he's gonna be remembered as like a generational dude. Like he changed the sport. In the same way that like people sort of want to say Dungey did. And that you know what like they'll yes. sort of say like, Oh yep. the way that Ricky did. Like Ricky come along and he did this and then because I thought it was interesting what um, wow it's gonna be right and shot what's gonna That's that. you don't care <laughs> stop stop you're good you're and good. then uh, that, and Josh so Josh Hill was saying that like so it was him and Lawrence yeah and they were like doing really good but then Dunge beat him in the championship can you imagine the different fork in the road that the sport would have taken if like Josh Hill was winning the 450 championship and J-Law kept winning 250 championships? Oh yeah, like, yeah, if they shut Dungey down. And then oh. it's like the whole Dungey era, like that doesn't even happen. And then Jet Lawrence is in here saying like, oh, I just kind of got so sick of like everyone doing the same boring thing on the podium. And yeah. it's like, so now he's like already never even done a pro race and he's already got a tagline of like the whole donut thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's Jason Anderson and Dean Wilson. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I know what you're saying. When Anderson's done racing... He's probably going to be more remembered for... Yes. Okay, so right. Anytime you hear somebody trains hard, they get referenced back to Carmichael. Yep. If you hear anyone super consistent, they get referenced back to Dungey. Yeah. And yes, 10 years from now, someone will be really cool in some way with fans. And they'll be like, oh, it's Jason Anderson style. Yeah, it's like full Dino and Ando style totally. all over again. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But it's like you need those... Like, But one is a byproduct of the other if that makes sense. Like you needed Ricky to do his thing first. Oh, right. And then Dunge come along and like took the influence from Ricky yeah. and then took it to that level. Yeah. And then because of Dunge, it's just constant cause and effect of like this kind of... It is a real easy narrative for people like us to say that. Like, oh, it went too far one way. It's got to flip the other. 
But I think the real brilliance of what Anderson is doing, all he's doing is just showing it. Yeah. He's having more fun than guys at his level. But, dude, you've hung out with these guys during the week. Yeah. It's not as gnarly as people think. No. They're pretty chill. Yeah. He's just the first one smart enough to actually show us it. And that, and this is what we talked about then is, like, I've been around him a, a lot to mm-hmm. know that what you see on Team Fried, and same with Tom. Like, Tom's been around for years, man. Yeah. And it's like... You probably work with him, I imagine. 100%. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I'm not... Like, he's the same dude. Yep. And But people think that, like, just because you're documenting... And I feel like it's sort of the same with me, even. Like, mm-hmm. I was the same dude forever. Like, the way yeah. I talk to these guys, the way I interact with them, the, yeah. like, partying. Like, I'm the same guy, mm-hmm. but I just edited my voice out of every interview I have like I've probably done more interviews than like most people like between me and Wes yeah and that's like I just cut my voice out of every one of them for 10 years and now you don't like nothing's different yep and that's with with Ando and I I think that's like the problem though is that that is the difference when you start doing shit what's different oh well he's filming this YouTube thing now well, he's not acting any different than mm-hmm. just documenting what he's always done. So it's yeah. not different. The only difference is they're putting it out. But Absolutely. It, people get held back because as soon as you start fucking around with videos and all of a sudden that means you don't care about racing. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger zone. And, and in an interview I had with Jason today, he said, he's like, I've been fortunate with Team Fried that I my results have still been pretty good. Yeah. But he's aware that if he starts sucking, dude, the Team Fried thing, then some people, some people are always going to love it, but some people are going to start pointing at it yeah. at a negative. And you mentioned it's it's Jason and Dino doing it, but poor Dino. Here's the problem: Dino keeps getting hurt, and he keeps not getting the results that yeah. we know he's capable of. So I can tell you, there are people in the industry that are like, the reason Dean Wilson isn't doing as well as he should is because he does this goofy stuff on Instagram. Now you and I know that takes five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean you're not training. Yeah, but. You have to have the perfect storm. Anderson's good enough to do both. Yeah. And I don't think most people are confident enough that they're going to be able to pull both off. Because if you start sucking, you're in trouble. Yeah, but you think about a kid like Jet. Oh, so he doesn't it's care. Like, so, like, right now, like, say, let's say we live in a land where Trey Kennard's racing. Yeah. Maybe Trey Kennard probably can't do both. Because it's like, he's already in his career. He's got a routine. He's got the family. Okay. Right. So like if let's say the whole YouTube thing becomes like the next big thing and everyone's going to do the YouTube thing. Like yeah. there's guys where it's like, like Ando's that cool. Yeah. Like he is just that cool. Yes. Dino is that you cool. You got to have it. And like, yeah. but nowadays I think that uh, like a guy like Jet Lawrence, his mind's open. So if like at a young age when he's still impressionable and he's still developing, yeah. he's like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could see that. And now yep. they've all grown up with the Snapchat and Instagram. Because like the way that like even the podcast, like this is how I just talk to people. Yeah. If we have a conversation and yeah. it's like the only thing that changes now is like your ability to, to broadcast. But it's, I wonder what the effect will have just on the industry in general, especially like, dude, there's like big money to be made in the whole YouTube thing, man. Like oh, yeah. big money. And oh, the, yeah. the people that you can kind of be around if you've got like popping YouTube channels, like oh, yeah. the merch that you can sell, like yeah. there's a lot of revenue to be made on it. Like look at, look at me. I'm literally making a living off this shit yeah. and I'm not Jason Anderson. So yeah. it's like imagine to the level at which that dude can make something like this work. It's going to be a big bridge to cross, though, because one of the big things that I hear from fans all the time that I always have to correct them, they're always saying, yeah, you know, the guys are supposed to get results, but ultimately they're marketing and PR people for their teams. And I say, no, man, 
when you talk to most teams, they're there for one reason and one reason only, and that is to get results. Mm. Being marketable does help a little bit. Maybe your gear deal's worth a little more, but the sport hasn't ever gotten to that tipping point where mm. they are picking riders and supporting riders based on their profile. It's 99% of his four results. Yeah, but and the proof is that Dean Wilson last year, yeah. as prolific as he was, didn't even have a rod. Yeah. So I wonder, can we get to that point? I think so. Yeah, I, I hope do. so because yeah. this is so fun to have yeah. this stuff. Well, you look at um, like, do you, are you aware of Jackson Richardson stuff much? No, is he do his? Own, I mean, I know who he is as a racer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jats mix. Like, oh, really? Okay. He does like these fun ass video. Like, okay. he's a funny motherfucker. All right. And like, so he got a rock star deal this year. They pretty much said like, we don't okay. care. We don't really care. All like right. he's a privateer. Yeah. Privateer, all rock star, nobby underwear sponsors him. And they're literally like, yeah. don't care, just like be yourself. Be yeah. the most, because he's yeah. the most watched rider in Australia. He's so interactive with mm-hmm. Dean and Ed, like all of those big dudes yeah. that are doing anything over there, they love his shit. Got it. So it's like, he, I think is like maybe one of the first dudes that that's actually had some checks to race yeah. to just be like, dude, just be yourself. Because you're yep. awesome and people people really like it. Now, the next thing then... But granted, it's yeah. on a micro scale. You yeah. know what I mean? But right. it's like you can see it happening. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. Dean didn't have a factory ride, but he had sponsors. Rockstar was still tipping Yeah, in. and he had his uh, Ignite. Yep. And that wasn't going to happen without these other things. No, for sure. Um, but the next thing would be, can the industry get to the point where they say, hmm, can we sell more dirt bikes? Because we have this Jason Anderson guy who maybe people who have zero interest in dirt bike racing at all would watch his stuff. Yeah. Hey, who's that? I don't know, some cool guy that races dirt bikes. Oh, dirt bikes are cool. What's he do? Yeah. And they might be more interested in that. And he's good enough. Like, they don't know how the sport works. They don't know if winning one race a year means you're unbelievable yeah, or just halfway yeah, decent. Yeah. But he's good enough to, to check those boxes. Yeah. There is a chance that Team Fraud could expose people more to dirt, but more people to dirt bikes than some of the traditional. Dude, yeah. Gypsy Tales has. Yeah. Like, I get messages. I get messages from chicks. Non-dirt bike people. No, because I do enough non-dirt. Like, it would be like 50-50 my content. Okay. So, it's like 50-50 dirt bikes. And then when I talk dirt bikes, I really don't talk dirt bikes. Like, it's not... We you don't try to do like, life It's stuff. more just, yeah. Like, yeah. it's just random shit. Yeah. And it's it's like, we've got all of these people yeah. that will message and be like, oh, I'm going to watch Supergross this year. Like, there's people that they just don't know. They just like following the podcast. It's like a consistent thing yes. that, that happens every, every you know, twice a week. There's like new yeah. shit. And they're just like on board for like, to watch the, the whole like ecosystem of Gypsy Tales. But I, I get that. I've got yep. like one vegan chick. She's like a vegan, uh, like a super famous vegan chick on Instagram. Okay. And she listens to the podcast and she's like, I think I'm going to watch Supercross this year. And had nothing, nothing to do with it Literally, at all. I just got a random message in yeah. my inbox of just yep. like, she's like, oh yeah, I love Pokemon, blah, 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 watching Motocross. And I like, dude, I've, I've got guys that have messaged me, one guy in particular, he said, I haven't owned a dirt bike in 15 years and I just bought a new dirt bike because of Gypsy yeah. Tales. So it's like, that's again, it's like, it's a super small scale compared to like the kind of platform that, yes. that Ando has. Yep. Like he's got nearly a million followers on Instagram. He's a Supercross champion. He's on national television in yeah. America every single week. Mm-hmm. It's like, so if I'm influencing that shit, imagine what Team Fraud is doing. And we have learned, uh, for example, say I like basketball. I like the NBA. 
but I have now gotten to the point where I know I can learn more about it by listening to a podcast of experts yes. talking about it than I can watching the yeah. games. Yeah. So I am now following the sport through a completely different metric yeah. than used to be the case. And maybe that's the case with YouTube. Uh, there's that phenomenal F1 documentary series that was on, on Netflix. Netflix. Insane, eh? 800% more interesting than watching the races themselves. Yes. But if you're the sport, you've got to realize that that's okay. Yes. That it, whatever way they're seeing us and interacting with us is okay. Yeah. So I hope we can bridge that gap and, and everyone can embrace what Anderson is doing and say, dude, as crazy as live Supercross television is, this is potentially better or at least the same yeah. in some way. But that's the thing is like, I've always kind of thought that like, I like, and the UFC is the best example of it. Yeah, they like, don't care. They Whatever it takes, they do it. And, yes. But the, the story sucked people in. Like yeah. when I was living in America with uh, Jay, mm-hmm. right? So Jay Reinenberg, his yep. family. Yep. Jay never liked fighting. He, when I first got, because I've yeah. liked fighting my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I'd get there and I'd be watching the UFCs. And I'd yeah. be like, hey, I'm, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'm going to get the pay-per-view tonight. Yeah. And he started watching it. Mm-hmm. And he just like, he wasn't into the sport itself. Right. And he was like, dude, he had like his idea of it. But the UFC does such a crazy job of telling the guys stories. Yes. And then there's this whole... So, like, just the, the fight is the nucleus at the center of the atom. Right. And then all the cool shit is, like, the electrons and protons that are spinning outside nice. around it. And it's like, you need the thing. that You need the, the hub. You need that central thing. And it's for us, it's going racing 17 times a year, indoors and 12 times out. Right. And all of the electricity is generated around that nucleus. And and that's the way that I look at it. And I think that now with like with the you know podcast that you do, with what uh, Mathers does, with what I do, like mm-hmm. people care about stories. Jay is now a hardcore UFC fan that goes to the fights. Like that's wow. what like all me and him talk about is is fights when yeah. live fights are on even when he was living in America and I was in Australia we would be like FaceTiming or texting through every fight and what sold him was the stories and the people yep. and it's like that's where I think that the focus needs to be on like you want to grow the sport get the people out to as many people because like it's easy to just it's a, like a yes or no on like oh, I like bikes or I don't but it's yeah. like fuck it's like it's pretty easy to sell people because we're very I have a lot more in common with a person than a yeah. dirt bike. Yeah. The only problem is it's got to be done well. Now, look, you and Wes and the Verb crew, I- I'm glad social media is here because the Verb crew did such a good job of you had relationships with these riders. So when you would do these videos or these interviews that you were editing yourself out of, your stuff was good because mm. the riders knew you, they trusted you, they were themselves yeah. around you. I'm sure you've also be it moto or not been a part of shoots where they tried to get the human stories and the stuff sucked yeah like the concept reality tv has been popular since late 90s ish Uh, we had survivor in the u.s around 2000 and that was a british thing that had come from england so reality tv is actually not that new so i feel like in our sport or in every sport they've had this we need to have show the guys away from the racetrack we've done it a million times Mm. but it has to be done good it actually yeah. has to be done well. Not anyone can do that. Troy Adamitis knows these guys. He can get them to cry on camera. Yeah. The relationships when you and Wes were doing these things and everyone else on the Verb crew, you could get that stuff. I have relationships with these guys. I can do that. But when you see someone do a crappy job of it, you're like, dude, you just blew up. That was our chance. Yeah. And it sucked. Like, they love to show the guys doing pull-ups and push-ups. Yeah. And 
here they are on the rowing machine. It's so hard. And I talked to Anderson about that today. He's like, I feel like everyone's seen that. Yeah. And if we were going to grow a million percent showing how hard they train, it would already happened. Yeah. yeah we had to yeah. do something else, dude. Yeah. That, okay, I get it. They're in shape. They work hard. I understand. Give me something cool. Uh, but then like, that's right. And you're sa- like, what you're yeah. saying is so right. But yeah. then like, so why are people criticized when they do different shit? Because it's almost like yeah. the guy's like, oh, well, fuck, if it's played out, I'll, I'm down to go jet skiing. And then as soon yeah. as you see Ken Roxon on a jet ski on a surfboard, it's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, like, yeah, why? Yeah. So yep. it's like, I get it because these guys, like, they're just scared to do anything different because they're like, yes. you literally get crucified. Yeah. Uh, we're just lucky that there's enough parody right now. We've had, what could you say going to Anaheim? There's eight or nine guys who'd be like, I could see him winning a race. That wouldn't yeah. surprise me. So it gives them all a little more rope. Like I said, I don't know if Anderson is the best guy, but we all know he's capable of doing well. So that kind of gets him off the hook yeah. a little bit. Uh, it was even worse when there was a time when there was like, only three guys were going to win. So the rest of you dudes, you better not show that you're slacking because we know you're not going to win a race. So you better at least show that you're trying as hard as you can. Some of the guys get a free pass because I do feel like we have a little more parity in the racing right now. So if you don't win on a given weekend, it's not because you suck. It's because like, well, you're one of eight guys that can win and you yeah. weren't one of the guys that we can. But I just hate when I see, you know from doing this show and even the stuff you did previously, how good the interaction can be and how genuine yes. these guys can be and what great stories I have to tell. And I hate when I see it done shittily mm. because like you said, these stories are what can sell us, but they have to be done well so UFC had the great concept but they also do it well don't mm. they yeah oh yeah. 100% right. but I yeah. think it's like they look for different shit yeah it's like I just don't know that the, the like whoever's done the you know the motocross sort of stuff it's like yeah it's very very structured it's to the same sort of script it's just like insert Chad Reed here insert yep. Chad. Yep. whereas like Brayton it's like with him like his crazy thing with like his story is that like he lived out of his auntie's garage as a kid. And yeah, like, the family situation. You know, yeah, so yeah. much of the stuff that he yep. went through and yep. like the way that he is is like this this stuff that he's had to like work through. Like he's had to grow as like a man in a sport where like your worth is based on a result. So it's like that's in my head. I'm like that's yeah. so fucking interesting. Like that's a crazy thing to have to go through as like a young dude. Yeah. Adam Cincerello, his story is like this guy was like the second coming of Jesus Mm -hmm. and he's had to live his entire childhood as the phenom, the prodigy. It's like, what would that be like? And then you look at Cooper Webb and it's like Cooper Webb had to grow up in that dude's shadow. And it's like, so you can really get deeper than the surface level of like, yeah, well, man, I I hooked up with Alden. So so it's like, cool, bro. And it's like, but it's not their fault. And it's like, there's, there's conditioned answers and conditioned responses. And it's like, yeah, but that comes from, you know, their story really well. You know them really well. I think you can get more of that out of them. What I had never even thought about that you've alerted me to now. Okay. I think the idea that, Hey, they're all in and they make all these sacrifices and they give a hundred percent of every fiber they're being to win races is really appealing. But in a way, isn't it almost more appealing to think like, dude, they have the dream life. Like they make money racing dirt bikes, but they still have a life. Yeah. Like, so you're saying Brayton grew up as a man. He went, he, now he's a married guy with kids. And by the way, his job day to day is riding a dirt bike. Yeah. 
that really sounds appealing. Yeah. Or Anderson has fun with his friends. What does he do for a job? He rides a dirt bike. That's actually way more appealing mm. of like, hey, I would like to try that. I would like to do that. I could be into that. That sounds like a fun hobby. Yeah, and instead of I'm making it all sound like torture, torture. every fucking yeah, day and of I, the week. I, oh, so if I'm not all in, I basically shouldn't even yeah. attempt it? Yeah. That sucks, man. Uh, I, I, I broke in in the industry covering off-road stuff because that was where the opening was. But I always felt like in that 2005 era when there was all this money, the off-road guys were making like pretty decent, not even close to moto, but they yeah. could make money. Yeah. There was so much money around. And I was like, dude, I would pick their life over Stu's life yeah. any day because they're making half a million dollars a year. Maybe they're not making five or 10. But they're making half a million dollars a year. And they're That's just- a good paycheck in America. Yeah. And they're like- Dude, their riding would be like, I'm going to go stay at this guy's house this week. I'm going to hit this race this week. And I was like, dude, that sounds so fun. And you're making money. And you're doing it on dirt bikes. That is rad. Maybe that's the message we need to put out there. You can have a fun life. And by the way, your job is a dirt bike racer. That sounds way more appealing. Oh, for sure. And I think that like that as well as that, people relate to like, they don't, people don't relate to like how hard it is to have to cycle for two hours every morning and then get to a track and then you got a practice bike mechanic there and it's like <laughs> you know what I mean like it's yeah, not yeah. relatable like it's what, a good point but how yeah. many fucking kids probably grew up in their auntie's house yeah because they couldn't afford to have a house and there was a fit like how, Crazy. how yeah. many people could relate to that well yeah. divorce wise 50% of America good point you know yeah. what I mean yep. so it's Dad like wasn't around. Yep. that is super relatable so yep. maybe there's a kid out there that doesn't because like, yeah. people are always going to want the dream like they're always going to want to make a living out of it yeah. but what about the kid that goes like man so Brayton now is a, a supercross race winner and he came from like a split family and his dad yeah. like so instead of like it's obvious that like these guys make money and it's cool yes. but like what's not obvious yep. is like hey may- maybe you can you don't have to have this perfect life to have the perfect job or the perfect thing maybe you can have some issues with like your own self esteem and confidence because how many fucking people have issues with self esteem and confidence so it's like that's the real shit that I think if you expose people to like this human element yeah. because like on one hand, like you, if you can do all the jumps on that track, you're a fucking god. Like you're yeah. in the point zero 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 one percent of of humanity that can do that. Yes. So it's like, don't sell that and try and make them relatable. Sell the rest of the human stuff that everybody goes through. Yeah, and doesn't it make dirt biking seem so much less threatening to like parents like mine who are like, this shit sucks, stay out of it. Exactly. When you can be like, uh, it's fun. It's not torture. No, there is no worse message you can put saying to achieve your dreams, your life is going to be miserable. Yeah. Like that is a terrible but message. That's like, but that's so American, dude. I, like, I in a way, so. like because yeah. the whole like get up and grind. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. you, no days off. Like yep. that's a culture that is like fully born in America. Yes. And it's like the capitalist hardcore model. And you sink so or swim. And yeah. that's where yep. the, it's the same thing with that. It's like, yep. if you want to succeed in motocross, then you got to fuck bro. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, okay, maybe I don't want to succeed in motocross. Maybe I don't even want a bike. Right. It's it's a good point. And again, if you were to take, Villapoto's in an awesome situation and he's a very happy guy now. That's them, I think. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry. All right. It's all good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, they're, Villapoto's in an awesome situation. He's a very happy guy in his life now. But... Dude, what he was dealing with when he was trying to win title number four, like, dude, he wasn't happy at all. So I would, just like I said, I would prefer the off-road guy's life at that point. I was like, dude, what, 
Who would you rather be at that in that year? Villapoto, who is miserable, he's under so much pressure, he cannot lose a race, he can't do anything wrong, or he will get criticized. Or Brayton, who's still making decent money. Mm. He's got his kids, he's got his family, he can kind of do what he wants to do, he gets to be a little under the radar. And all of a sudden, you're like, hmm, which career would I prefer? Yeah. Uh, that seems a whole lot more appealing. So maybe that's what we can eventually get out there, that there's more to it than just the best guy with the hardest life and the pressure and the miserableness. There's this whole other appeal of dirt bikes where it's actually fun and enjoyable. And what we were talking about too over a couple of uh, adult beverages mm-hmm, in New mm-hmm. Zealand. Let's see if I like, remember. Is the, this whole thing of like, if you're not, like what other sport, if you're in the top 10 yeah. of a main event, do you like, do you fucking suck? Yeah, you're like not if you get ninth yeah. in Supercross in the top, the Premier League, the best of yep. the best yep. on the planet, total of 7 billion people, you fucking suck. Nobody cares. What's other sport? Cares. Like name another sport. It's crazy. No, but I but I I know why that is. There's there's two things that work against motocross and supercross in that sense. A, we don't have the parity that other sports have. Look, you I'm sure you can remember going to your local track when you're a kid, and if someone randomly showed up for the first time and said, "Who's the fast guys?" You could name who the three yeah, fast yeah, guys were. Yeah. Right. So that's the nature of the sport. It's always going to be top heavy where this guy's always going to get ninth and this guy's always going to get first. It's not like the ninth place guy next weekend becomes the winner. That's not very mm. common. Like I said, we have more parity now, but it's still not that much parity. Yeah. Second of all, most motorsports, okay, most team sports, you're on a team. So you can kind of hide around your teammates. We don't know if you're the best guy or not because you're part of a team. So that helps. Motorsports are individual, but in most motorsports, you can blame the car. Yeah. You can blame the equipment. Here, we truly believe, ah, the bikes are nothing. It's it's every athlete against every athlete every week, and the rider makes more of a difference than the bike. So if you're getting ninth, eight other people we know definitively are better than you. Yeah. I don't know how many other sports you can, at the end of the night in, uh, what, do you, what do you watch? Do you watch AFL? What do you, what, what oh, do you watch? Like, I don't really watch sport that much. Okay, well, you like but fighting. Yeah. But see, fighting's different because it's just two guys. It's sort of the same thing, yeah. But it's two guys that... You well, there's like you, you don't re- all go against each other yeah. every week, and you can respect yeah. like even if you lose a fight, yeah, and it, like yeah. it can still be a really good fight. Like I it, see, you know what I mean, right? And right. It's like, it takes you had two, your moment where you still were better than him, even yeah, if you didn't and win. Like you could lose like a split decision to yeah. where it's like they draw, you know. So it's like right. I guess it's different in that that respect. Yeah. But but you you are right. But I think that I think that the formats and the sport itself. Mm-hmm. And the way that the races are run, like we've yeah. got to the point, like I honestly think that in motocross and supercross, it's like we've topped out. Like Eli, T- Eli Tomac in 2013, yeah. uh, sorry, t- 2015 when he was on that Honda, that oh. Glyco. Oh, yeah. That's like the best I think a dude has ever rode a motorcycle. That's like, yeah. it's, it's fucking topped out. And, yep. and we've, it's so refined. Like if you look at the process of like where motocross has come from the eighties yeah. or like, so let's say Roger DaCosta, to Eli Tomac 2015 when yeah. he smoked everybody by a minute. Yep. It's like you look at the progression. It's so it's like think of it as like when you go when you're like digging for gold and you start off with like a pan full of dirt and then it's you just keep going like that. it's like over 30 years man. Yeah. We've been shaking that fucking pan yep. and it's like we've got five bits of gold and it's Eli Tomac, it's Ken Roxon, it's Marvin Musquin, it's yeah. Cooper Webb, yep. and and before that it was Chad Reed, it was Kevin Windham, it was James Stewart, and it was Ricky Carmichael. Like the with you shake the sand to the point 
where there's only so many it's that filtered so it's like what can you do like and that's in its current form so yep. motocross and supercross in its current form as we know it now with 20 light main events and 30 minute motos we've we've shaken that sand out to the point where all we've got's gold and there's not that much of it and that's not that fun yeah yeah it's like what what can we do to like put more of that dirt back in the pan to where it's like you've got more shit to figure out because like you know you look at last weekend in Auckland was a good example you had the boys out front and then right away Jats took the Joker Lane and Richie Evans so they were dudes that were like they got a good start and yeah. then they, they like I thought I was like is Richie a lapis like I thought Dude. Richie was up there but it's I, like that's sick it was one of the worst performances I ever had as a TV broadcaster because I was totally confused but how good is that yeah but that's the goal all of a sudden the dude was in second he yep. went from ninth to second with this joker or sorry the shortcut short and cut. by the way in the short race Okay, if it's 20 laps, it doesn't matter. They're all going to pass him back anyway. But in a short race... It did, did matter. Yeah. But guess what? And, like, everyone's opposition is like, oh, but then you're going to have this and that. Like, the people that don't want it to win, that you, the people that you don't want that to happen are yeah. the people that currently win. Yeah, which but makes there, sense. Right, and there are also... The other problem that all sports have is the majority of the feedback you're going to get on something is from hardcore fans because they're the most invested. They're the only ones... They're the only ones even on social media commenting on it. Like, I watch... F1 and MotoGP, but I just watched the race. I don't then go on social media to blast yeah, about yeah. it. So I threw somebody threw out there on Twitter to me like a couple months ago or maybe a month ago. They're like, what would you do if you were in charge of sport to make it bigger and better? And I knew that he wanted me to say some political statement. But I was like, dude, we need more passing. We need more racing. We need yeah. more different winners. That's what we need more than anything. Yes. Everything else would help. But if we had 10 leaders in every race. And then all of a sudden the top 10 gets their respect. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but I said, it's not the nature of the sport. That's not the way it's going to be. But then I heard, then I got response to that, probably from old guys who are super entrenched. And they're like, but isn't the ultimate appeal at the end of the night, knowing the best man who worked hardest won? And I'm like, get off your high horse, yeah, bro. Yeah, really. Like, we're, this isn't the Bible. We're not solving, we're not solving world peace here. Yeah, I want to know that the best guy won, but they're going to win anyway. Yeah. Like, it's motocross racing. Mix well, it that's, up. That's what happened with Jason Anderson. Jason Anderson wins overall. Yeah, he still won anyway. Like he still won. Yeah, he still won. But we got we had some like crazy moments going like, yeah. Wait, who's what? Right. So is it like he's there? All of you hardcore fans that are like, I watch the races because I want to see the best man win. I want you to tell me that if rocks and hole shots and leads all twenty laps, that you leave that night saying that was awesome. Yeah. I saw the best man lead every lap and run unchallenged. No. That's what I paid my money for. And that's like stop it. And that's like with a fight though. Like, I don't give a fuck who loses. Like in the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight, yeah. I was pumped because he, I was riveted. Yeah, he uppercutted Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, like as yep. clean a shot as anyone has ever. That's all I needed. Yep. because that was a, like that was not supposed to happen. You wanted to see him, even if he didn't win, get his moment, his yeah. moment where he did something big. And that's the thing. Stick and ball sports have that. Like even if your team loses, you probably made a shot or did something good. In motocross and supercross, it's like all you did was run in second place the entire race. So all you did all night like was didn't give get me a beat. Yeah. You just got beat all night long. Yeah. You didn't give me a moment. Now, yeah. car racing can run pit stops and yep. strategy to try to at least give you your chance. The shortcut does that. The three short races does that. I know that you're championing that idea of like, just give these guys their... In the end, they're not going to win anyway, but yeah. at least they get their moment. No, but like, I think, look at... So like Brayton, he mm -hmm. said he won the... So he wins the triple ground in Atlanta 
And then the very next weekend wins his first race yeah. at Daytona. Yep. And it's like how many guys are out there. And even the Monster Cup. I freaking love the Monster Cup, dude. Like Mookie. Mookie goes out and gets a win. Imagine what that win feels like yeah. for Moto Concepts for yep. the entire off season. Yeah. Like what does that what does that look like if you extrapolate that out to the entire industry? Yeah. So let's say we've got six motos in the two fifties and the four fifties combined yeah. over the, the night's racing. Yep. Let's say you get six different winners. Yeah. Of of each moto. So that's like six teams that are going back through the week to that test track. Pumped. And busting their ass. Like, yeah. dude, we can do this now. Like, yeah. let's fucking grind on some settings. Let's put in some time on the dyno. Like, let's put an extra session in here. Let's watch some... Ta- like, what's the accumulative effect of just more people winning anything, no matter what yeah. it is? Yeah. Because it's like, it feels good to win. And your next thing that you were pointing out over some drinks in Auckland was then there's sponsors. There's sponsors that get that... They get the we, rush. Oh, bro. we're attached to a team that could win. Yes. Yes. Dude, 100%. Like, yeah. you, you're around, like, a, a lot of times, too, like, the people that are spending big money at these events, like, they just want to be a part of the thing. Yeah. Like, and that's yep. sort of, like, JDR, for instance, or, you know, like, Joe Gibbs. Like, they just want to be a part of the thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, you want to, You. they're not, like, there because they're like, if we don't win, we're out. But it's yeah. like if the the deck is stacked so heavily yes. against you, yeah. it's just like, oh, fuck, like it was fun for a bit, but like it sucks when you just like constantly get fifth or you can't, like no one ever talks about it. We, like we've got these sponsors, but no one ever sees them. Right. Like I'm all about yep. the the top 10 shootout, like Super Bowl thing. So yep. like for the opening ceremonies, like they let the dudes dick around for like 30 seconds around waving to the yeah. crowd and stuff. Yep. Like, let them throw a heater mm-hmm. and it's like qualifying is yep. only qualifying at a supercross race is only to get you into the top 10 shootout or yep. the top 10 and then yep. that top 10 gets you that's the game one pick lap. for the heat yep you know so you get one lap to throw down that means for one lap the dude set let's say vince freeze come out of qualifying practice 10th yeah all of a sudden he's got a smart top logo yeah everywhere you yep. know you could maybe it's even to the thing where like because you know who's on track, you don't even have to run your number anymore. You can run a little number in the corner, uh, a big ass logo. Okay. So you could have like your mm-hmm. own Super Pole logo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, there's, it's just opportunity. Like yeah. guys need opportunity because these teams are going to, and I was in those meetings as yeah. a guy that was sitting yep. there trying to sell DC shoes, trying to sell mm-hmm. J-Star motors, try, trying to sell this shit. And it's just like, if you go, look, our, we're not going to win the championship. But our dude, he's in the top 10 every weekend, and that's a minute of live TV, you know. Uh, there's two things that are going to push back on that. This might be the American way. Uh, anyone listening to this in the United States will be like, oh, good job, millennials. You want to give them handouts. Why don't you just run a long race and make the best man win? And if you're not good enough, work harder. Okay, I get it. I, I guess we're watering it down. Mm. We're giving handouts to the 11th place guy and get in the top 10, and we'll hand you a minute. Again, man, it's it's. But it's, the tenth place dude could still go out and throw a heater. Like, yeah, he doesn't say? suck. Yeah, he doesn't suck. He might not be yeah. the, like have his starts on point. He might not, but he could right. qualify, and then he could get the first gate pick. Like, yeah, yeah. these guys don't yep. suck, bro. Yeah, and again, you, like you're saying, you're already talking about the elite of the elite. Yeah, elite. I'm, I'm talking about like a like Justin Hill, who's won yeah, yeah. a fucking championship. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying give Dakota Tedder a minute on. In no offense to Dakota Tedder, but it's yeah, like, or I'm some local saying, guy no one's ever heard of. Yeah, don't give right. them a minute. 
in it. The yeah. dudes are in the top. They're the baddest yeah, they're dudes good. in the planet. Yep. Yeah. And look, man, all sports, all sports, racing or stick and ball sports or even fighting. Hey, it's, it gets judged at times. Mm. No sport is based 1 million percent on nothing but fairness. Sometimes stuff just happens and it affects things and someone reaps the benefit of it. There isn't a sport, any sport that's built around but there's no, nothing, it, yeah, it, nothing but you have to earn it and everybody else sucks. It can't be fair because you're on a different motorcycle. Yeah, you're right, right off the every, rip. Everything's, yeah. Everything is different. You, you have games where you're in a home stadium or an away stadium. You got to just deal with that obstacle. Yeah. Sorry, we stacked the deck against you. Or in car racing, the yellow flag came out. Sorry, that screwed you. We stacked the deck against you. That's part of the game. Deal with it. So the idea of like, if the races are too short or you do this super pole thing, it's going to prevent us from finding out who the actual best guy is. For the most part, you're still going to find that anyway. Yeah, and, and I kind of don't care. Yeah, you're like, like I'm here to be entered. Like, dude, it's sports. This is a freaking state. Like, this is a yeah. stadium for people that are like, "Hey, man, just show me some cool shit for yep. now to distract me from yep. the stuff that I don't really want to be doing." Well, there's an echo all the way back to our other thing of if you're looking for sports as your escape on the weekend uh, to escape what you like, you'd probably rather hear good news than bad. So the Jason Anderson model of "Hey, this guy's got a life that I wish I could have" sure sounds better than I'm watching these miserable people. Yeah, that doesn't sound appealing at all. It's a show. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't given enough weight to like that thought. I hadn't either. I, this is what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're, we're enlightening each other mm. through this conversation. That shit yeah. is real too. Like with the, the whole podcast effect like that. And that's why yeah. like Ricky was giving me shit. Like, let's just do it on FaceTime. I'm like, no, fucking we sit down for three hours. I don't yeah. really know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And we're just going to figure it out. I, I, I have learned at times when it, there are times where you just want to relax and watch something you like and you want to hear that it's cool, mm. not that it sucks. Because mm. that's exactly the opposite reason you're interested in it. Yeah, dude, yeah. you're so right. Yeah. So now yep. that we're, we're on a roll okay. with all of this, we've just yeah. fixed Supercross. Yeah, yeah. Could we predict next year's champion right here, right now? No, no, because I, I, we need to embrace what we have right now, which is the gap between seven or eight guys is smaller than it was like, look, it was going to be Ricky or Stu or Reed for a long time. And mm. then eventually we found out, oh, I didn't realize this, but it was going to be Villapoto no matter effing what. Mm. And then it was going to be Dunge no matter effing what. We'd go into the season telling ourselves that it wasn't like that. But after about eight races, you'd be like, yeah, I should have known. Mm. Villapoto's just a guy. He just is. Anderson did a great job winning the title two years ago. Cooper Webb did a great job winning the title last year. You're a liar if you say unequivocally Mm-hmm. They proved they were the best guy, no doubt. And if you ran, if you, would anyone be able to say if you ran the 2019 season on a simulator 100 times? Yeah. Cooper Webb is the champ all 100 times? Yeah. Could anyone so, say that? No. No. James Stewart, 2007, 100 times? 100 times. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be champ. Yeah. Villapoto, 2013, run that simulator 100 times. He's going to be your champ 100 times. That's a really good way to look yeah. at it, dude. Yes. That's but, a really good way yes, to look at it. So, there is more power. I'm not saying that Anderson and Webb are paper champions. They earned it, but it's just different now. Yeah. If Tomac wins a title, if Roxon wins a title, if Marvin wins a title, if Webb wins a title, if Anderson wins a title, who am I leaving out? Is anyone going to be like, I can't believe that yeah. happened? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. you're so true. Yeah. What do you think has brought that back in? It's, I think a lot of it has to do with the whole like training facility thing. That was, uh, I think you were there. Ricky's had a theory about that. Mm. that oh, um, yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. were talking about yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. his theory is, I mean, there's a million reasons, but his theory is that um, 
And I, I've said this, uh, on the amateur level, you can still game the system a bit to a degree. You can be the guy who rides more motos than the other guy. Maybe the other kid's in school. Maybe you have a better trainer than him. But when you get to the professional level, everyone is all out. They all have trainers. They all have factory bikes. Yeah. They're all full-time working all the time. Now I think we've seen it creep into an even younger age where they're all developed the exact same way. Uh, you don't have someone who, yeah, when I was 12, I raced, I rode 40 hours a week and you rode four. Now they're all doing about the same thing. Yeah. So or maybe like that's a guy it. like Plessinger. That's like, oh, I kind of rode hell? some woods as well. What the hell? Yeah. How, how did that work? Um, yeah. So that might be a factor. That's one of your theories, you think? That the yeah. training facility has kind of made everybody kind of rise at the same level. And then I think uh, to take it a step further. Yeah is I think that these guys are so close mm-hmm. that are do they're in such close proximity to each other yeah. that they sort of... Oh, they're ruining you, mate. Oh, uh, we're no, right. all good. I kind of expected it at some point. Uh, yeah. I think that these guys are like in such close proximity to each other that like Cooper, can, Cooper gets a chance to beat Marv seven days a week. They ride together every day. Yeah. Every, and it's yep. not just the riding, it's like the mental thing. Yeah. Like you get a dude like Cooper that's like as much of a peacock slash bulldog mm-hmm. that you could like ever it. sort of like hope to find as an yeah. athlete. Like yeah. he's a fucking dog like yep. that, you know? Marv's not like that. Yeah, that's Cooper's strength is yep. the mental game. And yes. so you put a guy like him mm-hmm. around the dudes that he's got to beat on the weekend. Yeah. And in his mind, whether he knows it or not, he's going, I get a chance to beat these dudes every single day and then I think uh, from what Ricky was saying before Marv was beating Coop uh, lap times wise every day at the track but then he'd get to the weekend and he couldn't couldn't get it done over Coop so but then it's like even though Marv's faster in Coop's head he's just going like I'm just in his head I'm just in his head I'm in his and he gets that chance over and over and over to like be this alpha dog every day yeah. but then in like the eras of like Ricky and James and Ch- and Chad they were so separate they were so secular yeah. in it that it's like they didn't get a chance so like everything was done on race day yeah. everything there was no social media you didn't know how far everything yes. got done on race day yep. whereas now it's not I think that the the racing is done at these facilities in a certain way yeah and it, it essentially everyone's doing it in the same way they're the same all way. maxed out half of them are all there's like three camps that essentially comprise every top rider yep. right so how how much separation are you going to get on yep. Saturday when they're all literally doing the exact same thing every week that makes sense that's good I believe in that but I think another reason this is so simple I think that Roxon and Tomac were the guys that had the talent to just do the do what the other guys had done yeah. just become the next dominant guys they screwed it up they both screwed it up they should have been the guys either one of them or both Everyone knew how talented Ken Roxon was from an extremely early age. And I wouldn't think there's anyone in Europe that's going to argue me and be like, I don't know, Marv, Marv, Ken. No. We knew that Roxon and Hurlings were like next dudes, level, right? Yeah. Eli Tomax, next level. Yeah. In a run that simulator again, there is a chance that every race of the last five years are just who's going to win, Kenny or Eli. Yeah. It could have been that way, just like it was with the Ryans, just like it was with James and Ricky and Chad, just like it was with Rick Johnson and Jeff Ward. But this time, the two alphas screwed it up. What do you think they did to screw it up? Well, I mean, you just saw in the races. Kenny got hurt. 
yeah. he like crashes and has weirdo races. I don't mean they screwed up like they didn't yeah. try hard enough or no, they yeah. got into drugs or something. Yeah. They just didn't execute. They didn't yeah. get it done. And like, yeah. and you give people, they just a, crashed. You give yeah. people a sniff too. Yes. It's like, that yes. because I think that the Ryans and like with Ricky James and Ch- it's yeah. like, it's like, Hey boys, it's like, I appreciate it, but you're racing for fourth. Yeah. You're never going to challenge like, us. And yes. And that was like, that's yep. the, you know, the way that they sort yes. of carry themselves. Yep. I think that's sort of similar to the way that Coop is like yep. around in that. He's like, yep. he's like, boys, beat me here all you want, but yep. come Saturday, yep. you know, I'm going to smoke you. Right. And it's like that, I, that shit just doesn't exist with like Chad and Ricky and James back in the day. Eli lives in Cortez, Colorado. So that doesn't exist with him. That stuff's not flying with him. Yeah. Kenny's off doing his own thing. He's off that particular yeah. program. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I think that there's that whole that whole facility thing is so important to the way that we have the sport now. The parody that yeah. we have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't disagree with that at all. It's it, it's a percentage. I'd say that's maybe eighty percent of it. But I still believe that Roxon and Tomac were the two guys that had the talent to just be the next dominant guys. And this time, mm. it didn't happen. I mean, James Stewart could have met, could have gotten hurt in his rookie season, like Roxon did yeah. in 2017, and never had quite been the same. But that didn't happen. Yeah, Ricky pretty much never got hurt. And l- yeah, that's right. Not only do you have to try to come back physically, but now you've opened the door. Mm. In 2010, if Reed and Stu don't have horrible seasons, maybe the Ryan's never become. Never happen. Yeah. Right. But now the door's up. Tomac and Roxon are never going to get to the point now where they literally have everyone beat before they go to the starting line. No. There's Everyone's won too much to, yeah. for them to ever get to that point. They might still be the fastest guys. One of them can win the title next year. But they're never going to have the competition mentally eliminated mm. before the night has even begun. But I think that, yeah. that in but in that way But they could have. Yeah, yeah. In that way that yeah. like that used to be a thing. Yeah. I think that's now a thing that's transferring back to this whole facility thing. Okay. It's like there's guys at the facilities yeah. that if you can be the top dog there, you can have all the rest of those guys beat before you even get to the race. Because you get that much confidence out well, of that. And you're around them all the time. Yeah, like yeah. and yeah. it's it would be a yep. head fuck. Like yep. when you're because you're dealing with different personalities and you're dealing and like you're sharing a guy. Like yeah. essentially, out uh, Coop, Marv, Zach, yeah, like they're sharing a girlfriend. <laughs> really, they are. Yeah, it's like they want that attention. They want the. Yeah. They want to know what they're doing wrong. They yeah. want like, and it's like the same with me with like the jujitsu stuff. Like, there's people that my coach like talks to a yeah. lot and puts a lot into, and there's other people that don't, and there's feelings yeah. that get created with that, and there's a bunch of reasons why those things exist. But it's like that. Anytime you get like a tight knit group and there's a lot of stuff on the line and it's like this little ecosystem and then you've not only got the training during the day, yeah. but you've got the dinners, you've got the cycles, you've got the gym, you've right. got the travel, you've got right. the rate. Like there's a lot going on mm-hmm. in that ecosystem and no matter what, there's a pecking order that gets created and it's it's very organic and it's not like a forced thing. It's like a human nature thing. And I think that you're seeing some guys... Uh, thrive in that situation more than others in the same way that you would see a kid in class or a yeah it's human nature yeah but he might come out on top more often than not but the gap between them is going to be a whole lot smaller than yes. it was if they yeah. were each doing their own individual thing yeah i mean seriously how much of a gap speed wise can you get between marv and cooper and zach osborne riding together every day yeah 
it's only going to come down to tense if they're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. It used to be Mystery Island. Yeah. I don't know what this dude is doing. I might be totally doing everything wrong because I have no idea what he's doing. Or maybe he's doing it wrong and I'm doing it right. So it's kind of led to some parody. And uh, Tomac and Rock's another talent, and they didn't win the titles yeah. that they probably should have. Because I think, look, would anyone argue that on Eli Tomac's best day, you're probably not going to beat him? Yeah, like no yeah. one could beat him. And I, okay, Europe, I get it. Jeffrey Hurling's on a motocross track. Dude, that maybe. shit pisses me off. That, um, we're talking about a different topic yeah. right now. We're talking about different sports. Uh, okay. It's on the you same vehicle. Far. Yeah. It's on the, yeah. but it is. Yeah. Supercross and motocross, right. they're a different sport. If you do motocross and if you do yeah. supercross and nations, who wins? Yeah, Run your simulator. Yeah. Run right. your simulator. Run your simulator. Run 100 out of 100. Run 100 out of 100. A thousand out of a thousand. Healthy early 2017 Ken Roxon or 2016 outdoors Ken Roxon. What are you going to do? Yeah. You going to beat that guy? No. Probably not. Dude, the races before he got hurt, it was like, fuck, he could win every single race. Exactly. So this time it didn't work out. It opened the door for other people. It's awesome that those guys are still like Kenny and Eli are still capable. Yeah. But it's now led us to this cornucopia of eight dudes that, that could win. So as far as the title next year, we got a, probably a one in eight chance of getting it right. Like, there's yeah. no way. Put the lie detector on anyone and say, you know for sure. You like, could not No. 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 C- Cooper no. Webb, like, I was halfway through the season, I didn't think he could win that title. Nothing against Cooper. No. But it's but, just like, it's like, no, nah, you probably won't get it done. Like, it's because it's really hard to do. Yes. Against this group. Plus, you're talking about Cooper Webb. You're like, what is the track record here? The last two years, I've seen him struggle. Yeah. And now I'm just supposed to believe that he's definitely the best guy. Like, I need a lot more proof than this. Yeah. And, and then he did prove it. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, the other thing I think that's difficult for anyone, we, we want to believe that this is rider versus rider and athlete versus athlete. And we don't want to hear about motorcycles mattering. I mean, dude. I'm sure you've done the same thing. You probably come up with every psychological profile theory you can on Eli Tomac of why there's three races every year where he just sucks. <laughs> like, why? And it honestly might be uh, the motorcycle isn't the way he wants it. We don't want to hear motorcycles. Yeah. We want to think of the person. Yeah. We want to break down the psychology. It could come down to that. Someone doesn't get their forks the way they want it. We don't want to hear that. Yeah. It's too convenient. But that's Occam's razor, right? Yeah. Like, the, the answer to your question is probably the most obvious one. But hey, maybe it is the answer. Sometimes, that's what I'm maybe yeah, it, it is. Probably, well, that's the thing. Like the most obvious answer is is sometimes yes. What's well, nine yeah, times out of right. ten the right one? Yes, I, I feel bad for the riders because a lot of times when they do venture out and they say, "Well, the bike isn't working the way," people are like, "That's just the excuse they're giving." And a lot of times, that's, maybe it is. That's America, though. Again, it's yes. like that whole. That's right. It's work so harder. Cultural, bro. Maybe the forks really sucked that year. Right. Maybe they just did. I know those air forks were pieces of shit. Yeah, that was a big problem. That was like right? a legitimate thing. We have seen proof sometimes where a guy gets something new and he immediately rides better. Yeah. So we don't. We know that not all the time that matters, but it does matter sometimes. Good luck predicting that. Mm. Like how that's going to affect. Like how do we know? Yeah. They're not going to let us see these settings, and they're definitely not going to let us go to the test track and find out, uh, yeah, they're really struggling with the shock this year. Yeah. So you've got to throw that variable in, your predictions for next year. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. Yeah. Man, the um, the the bike thing's gnarly too. Like, Bosch is going back to a stock bike, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, that should be what they do. Like, Jats is riding a stock bike this yeah. weekend. He's yeah. just like, it's just fucking stupid. Like, a stock 450... With my good suspension, yeah. set up the way I can. Yep. I can do every quad. I can do every yeah. trip. Yeah. Like it's just become the. It's. It's sort of like all I guess all motorsports do it in a mm-hmm. way. It's like you get it so to the razor's edge to yeah. where it's like, 
he's like, well, fuck, everyone's got, like, everyone's got this power in their pocket to just do literally anything they want on the track. Yeah. And even that sort of takes away from it a little bit. And, like, we see, like, the top dudes are riding their motorcycles. At, like, a 450 around a Supercross track is a very tame beast. Like, when I heard, like, I'd be at the test track with Dungeon. I tell the story on here all the time. He used his brakes twice on one of the, la- I'm not even joking, <laughs> on one of the layouts at the KTM test track, yeah. Dunge was doing a 20-lap motor and he was the only one on the track, right? And so he he gets on there and all you hear is just, bop, bop, yeah. bop, yep. bop. And when there's, when there's 20 bikes around, it sounds like this crazy thing. These dudes aren't really, like, sending it no no because there's fucking so much right here yeah that it's like it's like sketchy fast you don't need it you're not using it it's there if you want it which gets a lot of dudes in more trouble than than it's worth but like dude for justin barsha to be riding a stock motorcycle this year like i think that also says a lot like that kid was a phenom like if you would have said when justin barsha finished uh his 250 career what his 450 career has turned no, you out have you would have no. never said that you wouldn't have expected and it so much of yeah. it and like he'll he'll say like i like to rev the bike that yeah. i want that's what i want to do that's that's my style yeah i can't do that on this 350,000 horsepower 450 that's no. like trying to, and then i've got six feet in between each jump no thanks bro that's not not how this is going to work right and the bike doesn't work as well when Under, it's being revved load, out yeah but Old habits die hard. His brain is always going to be wired. More revs equals faster. Yeah. So good luck in the heat of battle turning that off. But um, it there's one other problem that this all leads to. We don't change anything. No. Like, you're saying that we've got this gold now because we've refined it and refined it and refined it. We've got the best bikes, the best riders. And there are never steps put in to be like, okay, we went too far. We yeah. got to back it up. So most motorsports, they'll get to that point eventually. They're like, oh, we got a, too fast. Yes. We got too good. We got to change the rules to back it down. It's not ever been done. Uh, a lot of the blame on that goes that we do not have the organization at the top to really make it happen. Um, you know, the racing is kind of run by promoters. It's kind of run by the sanctioning bodies of the AMA. Who's really in charge? Like, who's going to make that call? Yeah. And by the way, we have this gift that manufacturers have chosen to spend probably more money than they should for 50 years now. There's probably not a return on investment that you could even justify, nah. right? So I get it when people are like, just tell the teams to do this. Just tell the team. I'm, I'm like, dude, we're so lucky they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, you can't just kick enough. them in the face. Yeah. But in, and also, unlike most motorsports where you're just, we got to just tell these 20 teams and 40 cars, change this and we're good. We got to make changes here that affect the production line, yeah, motorcycle, and, and, yeah. uh, which if we didn't have that connection, we wouldn't have anything. But like, why the fuck are we selling 450s? To you, the average dude, like, yeah. How fast can you ride a 450, Jason Wygant? Yeah, it it's not going to make me well, any faster no, than no. a 250. No, no, fuck no. no. Why are we selling them? No. Why do we build them? Yeah, because now they made a rule that said to win at the pro level, that's the best bike according to the current rules we have. Yep. No one proved that four strokes are better than two strokes. They just proved that a 450 cc four stroke is better than a 250 cc two, two stroke. So yeah, we if didn't you want prove to it's win, the best bike. you're gonna yeah. What does the rule book tell me is my best path to win? So that's why. Yeah. But now that we've done it, to try to reverse course, and by the way, again to defend the teams, they're gonna say we didn't want to change. You changed the damn rule book to make us go down this path. Yeah. And now you want to get mad at us? For all we did was follow your rules to switch to four strokes. 
So now to make that change, I, I'd never thought about it this way, but I was talking to Sean, who is one of the heads of Cobra, about the electric bikes coming in. Yeah. And he said, if you were to say in two years, 450s are done, what does that do to every 450 that someone has in the garage? You've essentially ruined its value. You've destroyed anyone who's got parts, anyone who's got one in their garage. You got a bike that no one can race. Yeah. Okay, maybe you'll find enough guys that want to go trail riding on it to sell it on the used market in two years. But you're really hurting the entire market to say in two years, your racing machine will be obsolete. Thanks for spending $10,000 on one mm. and buying all these parts because you're not going to be able to use them in two years. That makes sense. I think though, I had not like, thought of it that way. That's not all of it, but it's a, it's part of it. It's a Yeah, that, yeah. that's definitely a thing. But I think yeah. too, like uh, you think about Formula One, like no one's driving Formula One cars. No. Like essentially these guys are like, they're our Formula One drivers. Like their yeah. bikes are different. So it's like, yeah. I, I get it on that that side of things but then if you look at like okay we're supposed to be like if you look at formula one like the whole thing that they rest their hat on is that like we push these bikes so hard technically and this whole thing is so on that edge technically so that it filters down to these production bikes yeah yeah we have like a one for one yeah it's the same and it's like i think that you could still have a 450 class at every local race and whatever. Yeah, but and it's say like, at the top level. But at the different. top level, we're changing to see what we can filter down. Yeah, it's it's but it's there, a there reasonable argument. Enough, there might not be enough money in the sport to do that. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Remember, we are lucky that we are held up by this model of factories spending more money than they probably should. And if you pull one, that's like a table of made of cards. It's like a Jenga. Yeah, if you pull one thing out, you might find out. Oh my God. We had four or five factory teams for 50 years, and we had a model that kept sustaining itself, and then we just changed it. I mean, most motorsports would kill to have that stability. Wait, you're telling me Team Honda has been racing at the same level since the 70s? Damn, dude. Car racing, they go in and out all the time because they can't make that direct connection. It's a theory that, yeah, it probably helps. Here we can say it's one-to-one. Yeah. That's the problem, man. I'm afraid. Like... We might be better off divorcing those two things, or it might be the worst thing we've ever done. And everybody's yeah. afraid, I think, to find it's out. It's like that shitty relationship you don't want to leave. Like you want to... You're like, fuck, like, she could be the one. Uh, yeah. I've, I've gone seven years now, and we probably should get engaged. If we break up now, it I'm going to go back to square one? Yeah. Oh, that's scary. And it might yeah. not work ever again. I might never have that. Yeah. 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 And then you call her back, and she's got a new boyfriend. Yep. It's, it's interesting, over. though, man. Like, there's so much at play to, like, to make it work and there's so yeah. like that's your livelihood it's, it's you know there's so well yeah it gets scary now because you know at one point it's just something you want to be part of so badly you don't really think of the long term consequences but yeah now I'm 20 years in like my wagons are hitched to this Yeah. so if this whole thing collapses there goes my life also so it's a scary thought yeah for, yeah. for yep. everybody yep. like on so many different levels eh? Yeah. after like all of these because it's interesting that like you've literally never known anything else like it was just I'm obsessed with dirt bikes yeah. and it's like yeah. what when when you weren't riding and even had a motorcycle like yeah. what was it that made you so obsessed with it because I can kind of relate like I literally am the kid that read every fucking dirt bike magazine that yeah, like yeah. five of, I had five subscriptions every month yep. cover to cover and yeah. I think a lot of industry guys are like that but like what was it but I rode so like I kind of I got the yeah, feeling. Yeah, you know, but like, I'm glad you brought that up because I lately I've heard this argument a lot. Like you were saying, like most people can't relate to it because they didn't do it, and I guess that's always been lost on me because without having done it, I still thought it was awesome. But what was it? 
Honestly, I think it just looks cool. Yeah. It just looks awesome. It's no different than if you were a fan of basketball. Anytime someone sees someone hit a three-point shot or slam dunk or, I, I don't know, kick something good in one of the damn ball weirdo ball sports you have here, everyone looks at it and says, that looks cool. I would love to do that. I think a lot of it is if you like the way it looks. Yeah. Um, not everybody can play basketball at the level, but they see it and they think, like, that looks cool. I wish I could do that. I, that looks like a fun yeah. thing to do. And I guess it always looked like a fun thing to do. Well, the yeah. crazy thing, too, with, like, the basketball thing is, like, you got to think about um, the, like, the shoes. Yeah. So it's, like, it's a billion-dollar industry yeah. of, like, people yeah. who don't even play basketball yeah. but wear basketball yep. shoes. Yep. Yeah, but everyone that has ever watched a basketball game has thought – let me take this piece of paper, crumple it up, and I'm going to try to use the proper cool form to throw it in the trash can because this looks cool. This yeah. feels cool. I guess I had that same thing with dirt bikes. That looks cool. That's crazy. Yeah. Eh? And all I can do is walk around and pretend I'm holding handlebars, but at least I somewhat feel that. I, I guess it just look cool. That's yeah. so sick, though, Like, because yeah. it is interesting. Like, And I grew up like my dad raced, like yeah. everyone around me. Like, right. It was right. just a thing that like there's yeah. no way it wasn't going to be a thing that I did. Yeah, I, I, I try to fight this fight all the time. That's why I'm proud of guys like seeing Cerullo and Cooper Webb who didn't come from racing yeah, families yeah. to know like, Occasionally it can happen because, dude, if we're if our market is always going to be the dude whose dad rode, that's not really a path to growth. Like you're not. Oh, so you're saying we're not going to add oh, any new people? We're not ever going to get some new kid to discover it on his own? That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So no, hopefully I, we get some. Yeah, All right. So we got more bench racing to do here. I think that we'll talk about Kenny. Did you see the Instagram post that Kenny put up yesterday riding? Mm-hmm. No. It was like. It was like some real shit. Like I'm rolling. It was like, yeah. Wow. It was. It was one of those like. Remember the old Transworld videos that Don Mayetta would film of James Stewart on the Cowie test track? Yeah. And like just doing dumb shit. Yeah. Ken yeah. Roxon posted one of those videos All yesterday, right. and that right. that that lit a fire inside me for Anaheim one. Look at that. Because I, I was that. like, I was like, damn, if that's the Ken Roxon we're getting at A one yeah. off an Instagram post. Yeah. If we're getting that dude at A one, and we've still got some time for him to get better then I'm like super excited to see Ken Roxon back. That shows you that uh, super elite level you're talking about because pretty much any rider that makes a main event could probably put out something that makes you go, damn, he's really good yes. on a dirt bike, yes. right? Uh, we forget that uh, sometimes, that they're all that good. No one might be better than another, but they're all good enough. And then people, yeah. like, then sometimes you get a dude like Ken that comes along and posts a video like that. And you're like, how and is that you're possible? Like, you're like, wow, that's some new shit. Yeah. That's yep. like a new thing now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I like on the Instagram videos these days, we never have tracks with good whoops anymore. I mm. think that, uh, I think it's a combination of several things. I, I've talked to some riders about it, including Brayton. Four strokes move so much dirt that I don't know if it's possible to make gnarly whoops that stay gnarly yeah. for 20 minutes yeah. or 20 laps yeah. or the 35 laps they do in a triple crown. But you do get to at least sometimes see the guys will build for no reason, really. Huge whoops. Yeah. And they go through them like it's nothing. It's crazy. And you're eh? like, what? Yeah. So yeah. with with Ken being, he's mm-hmm. like, I guess, famously not on the Baker's program. Yeah. So do you think that that is helping him at the moment is it hurting him or is the fact that he had that injury just too cloudy like do we just not know whether the Alden thing is as big a deal for Ken as we maybe make it out to be that's a really good point the injury has pretty much um, disconnected anything because you can't really you 
you can't talk about Roxon without talking about the injury. And yeah. I know he's sick of talking about it. But look, we know how devastating both hand arm injuries were. And I think some of the complications of that is bodies changed with all these surgeries that led to some illness last year. He's just never going to be the same. Yeah. So we can never compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges with Kenny ever. And honestly, I feel like whatever level he gets back to, maybe he's as good as he's going to get. Maybe he's going to be even better this year. But it's always going to be tempered by, that's amazing that he got back to this level from this. From this. Yeah. It's always going to be there. We're never going to feel like we're seeing the full 100%. We're seeing him overcoming and doing the best he can uh, adapting. But the one thing I will say is, Ken usually is super honest, which we love. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a Euro thing where they don't seem to care about filtering. They just tell you what the truth is. Uh, but he's been very cagey about saying what this illness is. Like he won't, you've never heard him say the word Epstein-Barr, which other riders just throw out there. That means he either doesn't want to say that's what it is or that's not what it is. I don't know. Yeah. But a guy who's usually very forthcoming has not really been that way. Uh, but I wonder if a lot of that is, look, man, he wore it on his sleeve. Like, I don't need the Alden program. I'm better without the Alden program. I don't need it. I, I, I think that any rider feels like a little bit of the blame goes on them when they get these mysterious illnesses uh, so I don't think if you're Ken and you st- said like the way I'm doing it is better for me you don't want to come out there and be like yeah dude now it might not even be his fault yeah it might be because of the surgeries or it might just be random luck that you get this yeah but I don't think you can go out there and tell the world I know what's better for me better than this trainer and then three years later you have this illness it's not a good look yeah you know what I mean yeah so I think there's many reasons why he's not being super forthcoming, but I think that might be part of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely. I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah. I think, too, uh, Kenny, and, like, you know Kenny, I know Kenny, it's mm-hmm. like, maybe it is the best training program in the world, but I don't like it. Yeah. Is, yeah, that, yeah. is that not enough? To justify. To just, like... It should be. It should be. But we talk about this being, like, people only care about one thing and one thing only, and that is... You won or you lost. Mm. And unfortunately, the guys who are with Alden have won this Supercross title year in and year out. Kenny is not. Is that why? We don't know. But until he wins the title, you're always going to be able to make that argument that, yeah, but he's not with them and they won the title and he didn't. Now, I don't know if anyone internally says it that way, but you know that's what the fans say on the outside. Mm. So, yeah, you might be right. Him just believing it alone is enough to say it's right, but then people are going to say, but you didn't, you didn't win the title. Yeah. Kind of harsh. Did you ever think in like a solo sport, and we say solo in extreme inverted commas. Yes, yes. But in a solo sport, we'd have a guy like Alden. It's essentially like the Bill Belichick. No. Of Supercross. No, it's it's probably, you know what? It's bizarre. If you really look, as my producer Chris Bond says, if you took the 50,000 foot view from a plane, that has to be the most bizarre, unpredictable thing that has happened maybe in the history of this sport, that a coach slash trainer, whatever you want to call him, is just responsible for every win. Yeah, ever, like, like, and with multiple people, multiple bike yeah. brands, multiple everything. And no matter what, there's one common denominator and it's not the bike or the rider or the mechanic or the team manager. It's the trainer. That is incredible. I, I don't understand. So yeah, that has to be the most bizarre. There's no way that someone would have told you 20 years ago that this could happen. Mm. That one trainer could get a hold of a variety of guys and stamp it. They one of them will win the Supercross title, and it's not like no. there's no 
there's no like secret source like everyone knows like the, the thing at the start of it with Alden yeah. in particular was like he had Ricky and yeah. it was in that days of like closed doors no yeah. one's looking in yeah why did we don't know what they're doing so it yeah. was a mystery yeah. enough people have cycled in and out of that that's program great. now that's a good point yep. that, that like it's not a secret like, yeah I'm sure Blake Baggett would literally have the exact programs that Alden sent to him yes, when he, he was, did it so like he did it yeah. he could put that on right. uh, WikiLeaks and like everyone to know but we don't even have to because we sort of we all just know like we know their program it's been filmed so like you throw that out the window yeah. that it's like it's not even any secret source like go try and do it it's still not Alden you're still not winning yeah that's still it's that crazy. makes even less sense it's gnarly yes, dude it makes even less sense I, I don't know if to an outsider of the sport if we could ever explain just how nonsensical uh, that is uh, because, yeah, we know how important the coach is in football. So Bill Belichick makes the difference, but that's what coaches do. In this sport, dude, how many times have you heard a rider switch teams, switch trainers, switch setups, switch, and they ride the same? Yeah. To have someone who can make that much of a difference is is practically unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like a, you'd almost want us to do like a full study. But at this yeah. point, it's like he's won so many championships yeah. that it's like, and in a row, basically. Yep. Like the years that he, the only years... Well, the, he, one of his there is guys no, gets hurt. Yeah, Ando, and he was with it. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he like was. It's, it's literally yeah. every year, right? Like if he's had, it would be James. One of his right, top guys wouldn't have. Or did James win every title with him? Uh, in oh, okay, so yeah, in 2007, James won the title. Alden had one guy, Ricky Carmichael, who only raced half the races. Now maybe James would have beat him straight up that year, but. Ricky was only at half the races. And then I'm the just very saying. next year, he's, he is his trainer and wins again. Yeah, yeah. So Chad has won twice without yeah, him. Yeah, Um But the Alden camp can make the argument that Carmichael and Stu weren't there those years. I mean, you can go round and round and round on that argument. But for the most part, if his best dude essentially doesn't get hurt, he wins the title for we're going on almost 20 years now. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's insanity, bro. 20 years. It's 2001 Carmichael won the title. This is the 2020 season. Dude. That's insane. We're coming up on 20 years of Alden. Winning what? I, what are we going to say? 17 out of out of 20 or something? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah that's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. So the whole conversation last year yeah. on the broadcast with Ken was like, when is he going to win his first race? When is he going to win his first yeah, race? Yeah, yeah. He didn't do it by the slimmest of margins. Like, yeah, I know. Ever, literally Oh ever. my gosh. Any way you could not win it. Yeah. I feel like, is it just a foregone conclusion that Ken wins this year? In yeah. my head, it is. Yes, it is. Because, by the way, we did have the, the outdoor championship, and he won several races there. Yep. So I feel like at this point, the, oh, my God, he's finally going to win again. It's not super cross, but he's won races against the same dudes. Yeah. So I think that's kind of gone. So I don't, I don't know if that really affected him. Like, oh, I can't get over that hump mentally. Uh, I feel like there would have been a point where he was. Like, when, Cooper, when Cooper pipped him at the post. Oh, that hurt. The way that he did. Yeah. That was... If if those feelings existed in his subconscious, yeah, they were all brought to the surface that night. Like that, that to me is like a fan. Obviously, I've I know Kenny well to yeah. where like there's a personal thing there as well. Mm-hmm. As a fan though, that was like one of the more gut wrenching moments of Supercross. Like the last time I felt that weird about something, I reckon was probably when Villapoto crashed. It it just felt that big. Like, it was just like, dude, you just, that's, yeah. you just got done dirty, like dirty. Yeah. And, and that would hurt. Well, what an amazing story of like, this guy's coming back from these catastrophic injuries and you just 
want to see him get back to where he could win one race again and that he keeps losing. He didn't just get fourth. No, he keeps not getting the win, like, by the closest margin in the history of the sport. Yeah. And that doesn't even include... Cool. Yeah. Or, you know, one race, he's, oh, this is going to be the night, and then Savachi falls down in front of him. Poor Savachi says he got, like, hate mail from people for that and death threats. I'm just saying, like, anything that could prevent you from winning... It's been, like, right there over and over. It's not like he's just a fifth-place guy now. Yeah. So what a crazy story that is. Yeah. Yeah. Of all people, the guy coming back from the injury is the guy that's had these close losses. Yeah. Yeah. And and just, you could just feel the emotion in it because it feels like by that point in the season, it's like everybody wants him to win. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there were riders that wanted him to get a win. And it's like, for that to happen, it's just like, dude, what is he going to do? I know. And... For him, look, he's got to keep the stiff upper lip, as they would say. He's He can't say, woe is me. I'm sure when he got pipped at the pole, as you said, a rational person in his situation would be like, if my goddamn arm wasn't so messed up, yeah. I'd smoke these dudes right now. I'm so angry. But he can't let himself, he can't feel sorry for himself. Yeah. He's got to go into every race believing, I'm good enough. I'm still the guy. I can still win. He can't come into the races with an excuse. Yeah. He's going to lose instantly, right? So, unfortunately, he can't even use the easy crutch that he has. If he does that, he's done. And as an athlete, you can't even do that. No. Like, no. You can't go to the race saying, well, I had a really bad arm surgery several years ago. I'm never going to win yeah, again. I almost lost my arm. Yeah. You need to to race Supercross. Right. If he says that, he's done. It's like, you're a pussy, bro. No. <laughs> he can't bail himself out with the most obvious excuse of all time. So with the, in the 2020 season, is the mystery illness, the broken arm <laughs> of, you know what I mean? It seems like with Ken, there's always kind of been this like, I know there's an overarching question that yeah. needs to be answered when we go into every season. And I know. Now is the illness, the broken arm again? You know, last time I talked to him was at uh, Red Bull straight rhythm where he won. And I said, how are you feeling? And he's like, honestly, I can't tell you because I've been in like rest mode for two months. And he's like, I won't know until I'm in that grind Yeah. to literally know, can I do that grind? And it doesn't pop back up Yeah. or it does. So that's a gnarly situation where I don't think he's even going to know. Mm. Like, and honestly, even if the season is going well, is he still, if he's feeling awesome at round five and he's a point sitter, is he still going to be like, yeah, but we're only five weeks in. What about five more? What about five more? And then like, how much is he going to be playing it safe in the first part of the season? Because it's like lingering yeah. in the back of his head. Like, dude, like you need to like keep a lid on this at least until halfway. And then it's yes. like, how many points are you going to bleed? into that and it's like is he going to get to Daytona and he's in like fourth in points but he's been consistent he hasn't been burning himself out yep. and he's like alright I'm, I'm, I think this illness thing's done I'm going to make a run and it's too little too late yeah I don't know for whatever reason and I don't know if this is just circumstance or something that he's programmed most of Kenny's seasons always start out awesome mm. and then it kind of goes haywire it hasn't ever started slow and then gotten better mm. it always starts off house of fire I mean, I'm sure if he could figure out a way to solve that, he would have. I don't know. Again, it could just be the way it's worked out for no Mm. particular reason. But he's never done the inverse. We've seen him hold the red plate early in the season many, many, many times. And then whatever reason, it doesn't work out. So I tend to think he's going to come out. What you're going to his best is what you're going to see early. That's the way he's always done it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting in the whole Ken Roxon camp is the fact that him and AC, longtime training buddies, yeah. longtime homies, 
yeah. golf pals, legitimate friends. Yeah. Now they never had to deal with like racing each other. So yeah. it could go two ways. It could go to the point where these guys, and by the way, AC looks ridiculous as well. Yeah, ridiculous he's going ridiculous on yeah. the 450, yep. which we all knew. Like, well, I mean, I knew, I expected him to win Monster Cup, and I don't even wow. want to sound like a dickhead. Wow. Okay. I expected him right, to, to yep. at least win uh, motos at Monster Cup because. I just think he's he's that good as an athlete yeah, in motocross. Yeah. But you think that it could go two ways to where it's like you're going to have two dudes that are like as like insanely fast riding together every day. Yeah. The level's going to elevate. Yeah. Or does it go the other way when it starts to be like the Marvin Cooper thing? Ah, we've put so much thought into this at this Marvin Cooper thing and everyone at Baker's riding together and they can't get along. Dude, I'm not seeing a whole ton of proof that says it can't work. Mm. Like we keep waiting for this explosion and fights at the track and it totally ruins a guy. I mean, I will still argue that Marvin Muskan is about as good for his potential as Marvin Muskan should re- I don't believe that you can say that Marvin Muskan is underachieving yeah, in his yeah, career. Yeah. Um, so but I mean, like, in terms yeah. of he hasn't won a championship. I know, like, but... But he would expect that from himself. He would expect so that he, from himself. in a way, he's underachieving. I suppose, but I, I feel like that's putting a lot on Marv to say, like, you failed because you didn't win a title. But I think that's what he's putting on himself. Well, all athletes, I think, have to do that yeah. to a degree. You have to believe it. Um, but again, I wouldn't have said five years ago, oh yeah, within the next five years, for sure, Marvin Muskan will be 450 Supercross champ. Mm. I, I feel like he's doing really well with the amount of potential that he has. I, I can't say that he's been worse off with this program because I don't, I don't know if it was a guarantee that he'd be this good. Like I'm yeah, really okay. impressed with how far Marvin has come. So I'm. So you think that they're like a victim of the their, like the standards that people put on him in a way? I'm in a rare camp, maybe all by myself, of saying I don't think that this these guys break each other down mentally because they ride together. I, mm. I don't have enough proof. And the other thing that I've heard riders starting to do now um, to uh, divorce themselves from the oh man, what happens during the week is going to predestine what happens on the weekend. I'm already screwed. I'm already slower than the mm. guy. A lot of guys have started to say. Yeah, but really, we're all so close now. It just comes down to who executes on yeah. the weekend. They've done a good job of insulating themselves, and maybe Kenny would do that. Maybe Kenny can get to the point where he could, four days out of the week, Adam goes faster, but he says, but when the lights are on and it's time to execute, I will do it. And maybe that's true or not true, but he can at least tell himself that so he's not broken. Um, so I'm not, I mean, I've been hearing this talk for a while. What's going to happen if Adam goes faster than him? Is Kenny going to crumble? I don't have enough proof of dudes crumbling over that mm. uh, to believe that that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, the second he beats him in a race, you're going to hear a thousand people with that theory. But I'm the last that's going to jump on with the, this guy can't take being slower than this guy during the week. Because I've really only seen these multiple guys riding together thing. For the most part, they all get better. Mm. Only one of them can win. But I haven't seen anyone suck because of it. Mm. So I'm going to stick with it'll be just fine. Makes sense. Yeah. I got to I got to go, man. Um, all right. Well, we're out of time. You got a wife and kids that you've yeah. carted and, and all the way across the other side of the world. And I got an event tonight I got to go to. Oh, you yeah, got to yeah, do yeah. What is it? Some some kickoff celebration. Yeah, okay. Probably means free drinks, so you know I'll be there, mate. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You tried to drag uh-huh. me out last night, you scallywag. I know. I, I thought Were that you was your down? deal. Were you legit let down? I'm like, look, I'm going to hit up a bunch of people. If there's one guy I know won't say no. It'd be you. No, nah, I said no. I, I didn't know um, you had that in you. Well, I had all. I had to literally bring all this up, do all this by myself. Yeah, so you're a little bit. That's why you need to go out. Yeah, I was celebrate like, after this. But that's why I said I'll party after the race. Okay, this all is right. my race. This is my race. Yeah, I've noticed uh, compared to Auckland, where everyone was all in on the hanging out, 
I got a lot of, we're just here for business this weekend. Yeah. I think that Auckland party, everybody learned a little lesson well, there. No, that's what it was. That's what it's like every year. Auckland's yeah. like the most fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's like, a lot more serious I don't give a fuck. Like, okay. I can't take all my shit over there. Uh, I'm like taking okay. my little camera. It's yeah. like, and I think everyone's got that attitude of like, this is like, this is for us. This, this is the one. This is like for us. Okay. But this will be sick. The racing will be insane yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. The party yep. after will be insane. Yeah. But like, I feel like Auckland, I go, yeah. that, that's like my week holiday. Okay. So, but that this is game time. So Gotcha. I've gotten that vibe from a lot of people. But yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a, I've really wanted to get you on ever since I started. I would, I would love to do uh, more. We could probably go. I was going to say, we, we, we could do more, but. Is your theme of your show always, we probably could have talk for three hours is that what you discover at the end of every show no we do talk oh you just talk hours. for three hours okay yeah yeah yeah. we do it's like okay. a, just a letdown when you don't because <laughs> we like, well, i know we could have uh, i know we only did half that sorry an hour 46 okay a little more than half yeah okay yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still pumped jeez jason does it go quick what's the longest you've done actually me yeah well uh my own pods i find that the conversation works it almost always works out i'm like okay it's kind of dragging and i look and it's about 51 minutes and i'm like i can switch to totally different stuff now like I try to come in with a topic and we usually exhaust that topic. I'm not joking. It's almost exactly 51 minutes. The yeah. angle I wanted, we've got it. Now we can like what happened here was probably 50 some minutes where we talked about our backgrounds yeah. and then we switched to bench racing mode. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I mean, I've been on Pulp Show a million times and dude, you do five hours really? and you feel like you're, yeah. Just was it been an hour? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can do 10. You could yeah. do 10. I swear. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Well, I really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, maybe we'll get, get some more in tomorrow for our art. Uh, yeah, well, I'd love to. Need yeah. that shit. Righto, Jason Wygant. Cheers. Cheers, bro. Yep.